Pendergast or something. Which, just remember that when uh, Rick Perry ran for president, <laughs> he wanted to get rid of the Department of Energy. And yeah, now he's and now the he's head of the Department of, of Energy. It could be perceived as a potential cover-up due to that conflict of interest with right. the ex- within the executive branch. Frustrated about the fact that reproductive health care is being used synonymously with abortion, right? And I don't agree with that I, because they're not interchangeable terms. Welcome to the south of the streets coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation. We need some information and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. And just like a red, white and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back. The Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Friday, October 18th, 5.07 p.m., episode 71. Go fucking ducks. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary and all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal, it's all been built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal persons. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. I'm Donovan. Coming up on this week's show, we've got... I forgot what we're talking about. We are going to talk about <laughs> uh, the weird shit that happened around the impeachment inquiry because there was a lot of weird stuff on both sides of Democrats and the Republicans. We are going to talk about the Turkish and Kurdish uh, beef shit. That's a terrible way to describe it. The Turkey-Syria situation. There we go. That's what we're going to talk about. And then... With the rest of our time, we are going to talk about the Democratic debates because that shit was wild. It was rough. So, that's what we're going to talk about this week. Boom. You know what's funny? And then sports. I had all those. And then I, there was, so I, every week when I do the notes, right? I literally just save as last week's with a new date, go through and clear old shit out. Yeah. And then update the topic lines. And then the third topic, like, down topic line down i had said of course trump ukraine and the impeachment inquiry and i was like well that's about it so i said it's back we're back again <laughs> it still evolves yeah because it's fucking evolved all right but before we get into any of that we went i mean i went hunting last week i did go and it was cold I'm sure. I forgot because we met. We had a very important business meeting. If you follow us on social media, which of course is, I'm going to try to do that this time at Salt of the Streets for on the Instagram and the Facebooks. I am at, or no, no, you are (laughs) at Salt of the Street on Twitter. And I am at Big Bird Offy on there. Your personal Instagram is at Alpaca underscore Donovan. And I am at Big Bird Offy on Instagram as well. And, of course, you can always find us on the YouTubes at Salt of the Street and saltofthestreets.com, which is an amazing website. So, if you follow us on any of those, you probably saw a post that uh, you <laughs> put Facebook. up. And Facebook. At, at Salt of the Streets, boom. That was good. Though. Also, where you go and watch the live pre-show, which, if you are just listening to this and you only listen to us every week on Monday, you are missing out on the pre-show because it happens every time we do a recording. We do a live show where you can jump into the Facebook live event and and you could talk and you could ask questions and you could join the conversation and it's fabulous. We had a lot of people in there today and it was a great time. So be sure to join us there. But we had a very important business meeting yesterday. Wednesday. 
Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yesterday was Thursday. I tried yes. to forget yesterday, right? Yep. And uh, but yeah, we had a very important business meeting, and the Salt of the Street CEO himself, Mister Dax, joined <laughs> us, and we had a great fucking time. And forgot the point I was trying to make there. Yeah, hell I saw this social media segue. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go with it. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But it was a great time. We talked about uh, some of the topics this week. Oh, and then I told you about my hunting experience, yes, right? Yes. And <laughs> I had I had a couple of new experiences, right? I, obviously, no animals were harmed in my hunting trip. So there's <laughs> that time. to think about. My truck got a little harmed. I'll say that much. It looks like scratches. Uh, yeah, it was it was rough. We got in some hairy situations on some roads where it's like, you know, it's like barely an eight foot road, and you've seen. The truck I drive, which is barely eight feet wide. It's enormous. And it's fucking straight drop on one side and like sheer cliff on the other. Yeah. And every now and again, you come across these big, thick patches of these like really woody. It's like scotch broom, but like super, super woody. And they were all like trimmed. So nice and, and wonderful. But that also meant there was sharp edges. Yep. And we'd run into those and it's like, well, I'm not going to try to back up on this just road and kill us. Up. So we're just going to go through. But yeah, the the first morning I was there, it got down to 20 degrees. And I've never slept in a tent, <laughs> in a sleeping bag. That's too cold. In 20 degrees. And mind you, I had all the gear that I was supposed to have for it because I knew it was going to be colder than hell. But man, I never, I never thought that, oh man, air so cold, it hurts your face. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like zipped in, in a mummy bag. And it's just around my face, but my face hurt. It was so cold. But that we, doesn't sound fun. It was okay. So there's two types of fun, Donovan. <laughs> all right. There's low grade fun and there's <laughs> high grade fun. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I stole this from Steve Ranella. <laughs> yeah. So, but it totally makes sense to me because even now, you know, it's not even, you know, about a week since I left, I guess. Yeah. Friday morning when I woke up, it was so cold. I thought I was going to die. Um, but it, I'm like, man, that was, it sucked. Yeah. But it was so much fun. Yeah. Getting up and at <clears throat> four o'clock in the morning, walking up a, a thousand feet of elevation gain in probably, I don't know, less than a tenth of a mile in a horizontal distance. So it, it's steep. And also in 20 degree weather and it's four o'clock in the morning, that was some straight, straight misery. That's what time you woke up to hunt was four. No, I woke or up. That's at like, just when you woke that's, up. Yeah, I woke up at like three thirty, and then we chowed a quick little breakfast real quick, and then hit it hard. And that hill was the entrance to where we wanted to go, and it was a five minute walk from our camp. And then it was some sheer hate my life for about an hour. It took you an hour to get up the hill. Yeah. But we did get up to the hill, and we were smart enough to bring our uh, our little jet boil, you know, stoves, and had a little coffee in the pitch black on top of this mountain which is like a mile, almost a mile higher than Lake Chelan is. And I'm looking down at Lake Chelan. <clears throat> I took some awesome pictures. It was fucking gorgeous. So they're going to hit the social medias here very Mon soon. Monday. Yeah, Monday. You can use them on Monday. Definitely. Maybe I'll just send them to you so you can do the work for me. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it was a fucking great time, man. It was yeah. a great time. A lot of... There was... I don't know. This was my first big game hunt <laughs> I've ever been on. And things Get were just here. different... You know, I didn't really know what to expect, but they were not even close to what I expected. Yeah. There's so many people you're like walking all over each other. 
there's a crazy thing out that way and it's where people just drive on these back roads in trucks full of hunters and they just drive really, really slow in the same area that I'm hunting. And then if they see a deer, they get out of their car, try to get on it and shoot it. And then it's like over. And I'm like, that's not, that's not the way this shouldn't go this way, which makes it much harder for you walking around trying to <sighs> trying to find it. It was so infuriating. <clears throat> but we did learn a lot. We had a lot of great experiences. I did discover early on that my brother and I do not see eye to eye on how we should do things. That's so and weird. I never would ever have guessed that. <laughs> right? That you guys don't uh, fucking see eye to eye on something. It's not. I'm not going to lie. It's not something like I didn't think about before we left. I just never knew. We have that motherfucker on here soon so that people can see what's good. Because Seen. I've, I met, Soon, I've yeah. met your brother... In two very different phases, right? One time he was like really fucked up. Like he had been drinking before I met when him. Man, yeah. And then he drank more when we were at dinner and then drank more when we were at Joe Rogan. Yeah. He got a little hyphy that and night. And then we got separated afterwards. Like they went and did their own shit. And then I also met him at Carolina's birthday yeah. where he had not been drinking. And I mean, at least not to my knowledge or at least not very much. He was not no. drunk by any means if he had been no. drinking. The first time you met him was party chat. That was party Chad. He had a party Chad shirt on, and I can't. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I remember, um, and I couldn't describe it, but I do remember. It. Anyway, um, yeah. And then the second time that I met him was at Carolina's birthday, and he was so totally born, was just really kind of quiet, like didn't talk very much. Um, when I when I met him the night that we went to Joe Rogan, he talked a lot. Social um, lubricant. He right? had a lot to say, which <laughs> <laughs> which was very interesting at times. It was. Um, we did talk a little politics while I was out there. Yeah. And it was interesting for me to remember his views really haven't changed much in the world. Yeah. And it was just, oh, yeah, so that's your take on what's happening now. And it totally fits with the way he thinks, and it's very it's very Tulsi Gabbardish in certain ways, which I thought was interesting. I'm trying to have more people on here who I know starkly disagree with us. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do. Stir um, the pot a little bit. I yep, see how it is. I'm trying to have more people on here who are like very conservative, you know, or very liberal. Not even who are very progressive, right? Uh-huh. So, so if you fit or think that you fit either of these billets or are interested, send us a little message ski and we'll have a conversation and, you know, maybe we'll see about having you on. But yeah, I, you I'm very DM interested me. in that. Um, and if you're not, if you're a little too, not outgoing, but if you're the opposite of outgoing, if you're too shy or don't want to do like the whole show show, you can always email us at salt of the streets at gmail.com. Words. Or, or actually salt of the street. Yes. At gmail.com. Or yes. you can hit us up. You can DM us on the, on any of the social medias and the DMs or the PMs. You can start a conversation with us that way. Yep. And we can also share that on the cast if you want. Yep. Comments all over the place. Yeah. We're and interested. As long as your name is not Rudy Giuliani. Although, no, fuck yeah, I'd totally have that guy. If you're going to call, I'll take the call. (laughs) I'm not going to say no. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) that was uh, just a... Forced segue. Yes, bad. So, (laughs) we will start. The last time we were here, we smashed through a timeline at the end about the impeachment inquiry that is currently going on. So, if you're interested in that, 
go to the last episode, episode 70 of Salt of the Streets, and you will, you'll get that timeline. So this week we are going to talk about a little, you know, some of the weird stuff that happened when the whistleblower report was coming out. Um, and. Oh God! At this point, we're not even talking about whistleblower anymore, right? right we've we've right. moved so far beyond that. In such it's a short it's really of just time. about Ukraine now, yeah. So oh. there was a lot of other things that just kind of helped give context and and make it shittier and weirder for both sides. Oh, yeah, um, and we're still finding out more and more, almost by the hour at this point. I mean, we we've had some. Of, we went over some of the text messages I think last time, where we talked about the text messages from the yeah. phone call and. All this good stuff, but now some of those people are starting to testify, and so we're finding little bits and pieces out every day, almost every hour throughout the day. It's an ever-evolving situation. Right. So, <clears throat> the first thing that I have here is regarding Adam Schiff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Shifty just... Schiff. Some people may think this these are, like, irrelevant, but I... I thought it was a good idea for us to break these things down just in an effort to be fair to both sides so that we're not portraying any type of narrative or anything like that, right? Just to, just to put it all out there because there was a lot of weird shit that happened around this and I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to take a risk too. of, you know what I'm saying? Of, yeah. of looking like we're representing either side, right? So the first thing that I want to bring up is about Adam Schiff, right? Adam Schiff is the head of the House Intelligence Committee. He is a Democrat from California and the, well, well, I don't even know the right, the conservatives, whatever part of part of their narrative or part of their f- the shit that they're upset about is that Adam Schiff was tweeting about the whistleblower report or things that were in the whistleblower report days before the whistleblower report came out. Right, mm-hmm. this whistleblower report, Jesus Christ, this report. So I'm not gonna say that over and over again. This report detailed, uh, you know, a phone call with President Trump and the Ukraine, and there's. Some really terrible shit that happened in there, there regarding, you know, uh, defense money and, and all that. So, like mm-hmm. I said, that's in episode 70. Um, and Adam Schiff was tweeting about some details uh, that are contained in this report a couple of days before it came out, right? Which raises question about, you know, whether or not he's expressing some type of f- bias, uh, in this report, right? In releasing this report because, some people have argued that it goes outside of the standard procedures for something like this being released, mm-hmm. right? And I know that there was confusion on it because at the same time that this report came out, Corey Lewandowski was uh, testifying in front of one of the House committees, right? And I was listening to part of that, and most of – no, it wasn't Corey Lewandowski. It was fucking the acting attorney general. Right or f- no, not attorney general, but the yeah. active, the acting, whatever the fuck. He'd been in office for like three months, three weeks. When oh this yeah, yeah, it's like the uh, like the uh, the national security director or the you know what I'm saying yeah. or the I, acting national security advisor. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'll, it I'll was have a, to I'll, an upper level. It is. It's Trump the national case. security advisor because it's the guy that took over for John Bolton, right? So it's yes. the acting national security advisor, right? Okay, I'm sorry that I I should have had that written down, but that's what it is. But Corey Lewandowski testified like two days after that, and I listened yeah. to that too. So anyway, <laughs> so the acting. National National Security Advisor. I don't remember what his name is. If you want to look that up, then I can talk about what the fuck this is, right? I listened to him testify, and he was talking about the why he went to the White House with this report before it was released, and then there was questions. There's there's so much muddiness around it, right? And he had a legitimate argument that he brought it to what I felt was a legitimate argument that he brought the whistleblower report to 
not to President Trump, but like to the White House counsel, to the the office of of legal legal the, counsel. Yes, right. He brought it there to make sure that there was nothing that would be considered executive privilege, right? Nothing that would be covered under. That's what it's called, right? Executive privilege is a discussion you have with the president. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a yeah a confidential discussion that anyone right. can have with the president. Right. And so it's Charlie something. Kupperman? That doesn't sound right at all. No. No, that's not it. <clears throat> we'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah. John Bolton's number two, um, whatever his name is. So there's question or there was question about whether or not there might be something that would be covered under executive privilege. And that's why it was brought to the Office of Legal Counsel, right? The people that were questioning this man, the representatives that were questioning him were wondering why he would bring it to the Office of Legal Counsel to discuss executive privilege when this report and the accusations were about the president and were about Bill Barr, who was mentioned in this report, right? So this guy who, like we said, had been in office for six weeks. Is it Chris? It Charles. Charles Cooperman. It is maybe? the word. So yeah. there we go. So that is, I, I don't, he would like, I feel like that's weeks, not the so. guy we're talking about though. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But either way. Yeah. Either way. Um, it actually doesn't really matter who it was. <laughs> it doesn't. To be honest. Right? So, so his argument was he, he had been in office for, for six weeks, right? And he was like, I don't have any bias either way. He said, I'm just here trying to do this job. And it seemed to me that this was the right thing to do because I just want to make sure that I'm not airing anything out that I might go to prison for afterwards, right? Because it so, involved the president. Right. So I, I can understand the argument, you know, and it seems, again, like many things, it's a just a difference in legal opinion about what he should have done. Because nothing yeah. is illegal, right? There are people who are arguing that it may have been an improper, that he brought it to the Office of the Legal Counsel first, which I can understand. Yeah. But I can also understand why it, it's somebody who's been there for six weeks who is really just trying to play by the rules and follow the book at this point to learn the job yeah. would just try and cover his ass so he doesn't go to prison. And you know, I would refer to it more as you know, following the standard operating procedure. Right. Anything that has to do with the president should go do the executive branch for clearance and, you know, any possible presidential privilege they choose to to put in there before right. it's released and so on and so forth. Right. But in this case, it was possibly implementing the president. And right. so they're like, well, there's a there's a, uh, a a conflict of interest there that seems to be like anybody should know that. Yeah. But, yeah, he was grilled pretty hard for that. And, and so after that, the whistleblower report, after the Office of the Legal Counsel looked at it and decided there was nothing or that it shouldn't be covered in, under executive privilege, it was sent to the Justice Department, and they decided what they were going to do with it, and they obviously started to investigate it. There's things that are actively happening around it right now, right? Because yeah. so. ultimately what happened, they decided not to release. They didn't think it, it met the standards of uh, – you know, propriety or import at that point to push it any farther. Right. And then in the whistleblower account, it said that, well, obviously this was very important. So it, it, it made it look like there, it could be perceived as a potential cover up due to that conflict of interest with right. the ex within the executive branch. And that's the same thing that's going on with. Adam Schiff yep. over in the House Intelligence Committee, right? And what happened here is that one of the CIA officers that was dealing with this report um, consulted, Jesus Christ, consulted yeah. um, a member of an aide from the House Intelligence Committee, as I believe is proper, right? And so that's, that's 
so I brought up Charles Cooperman or whatever, right? Whoever this was that testified, because we don't know yeah. what the fuck his name <laughs> is. I'm going to have to fact check it. I brought up this guy because, it to me, they're parallel examples, right, of things that could look shady depending on how you look at it. But it it seems like it breaks down factually to just a difference in legal opinion, right? Mm-hmm. That it looks shady that Adam Schiff had details about this several days before, but it's not because – and it doesn't look like it's because he himself handled it. It's because one of the aides in the House Intelligence Committee – was consulting with a CIA officer about what they were going to do with it, which, like I said, from what I understand, is is like you said, standard operating procedure. Yeah, see, it so, wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, and so you have to be one of those. Do you assume that it's shady, or do you just assume that it's the right. fucked up bureaucracy that we live in? But because Adam Schiff has proved himself to be so incredibly biased, there <laughs> is genuine, I feel, concern. You know about. Mm-hmm. His reason to release the report or try and make sure that it was released. But I think that that kind of washes out after the president releases a, a semi transcript of the call itself, right? Yep. Because the actual transcript itself apparently is kept within a skiff on a whole nother server in a super secret. So the skiff is the secure. I cannot remember. Secured what confidential intelligence something facility or yeah, something like that. Right? It's like super secret squirrel ops. It's a pl- it's a room where you can go and discuss classified and deep classified material, and it's you know it's secure, so you can have discussions about it and don't have to worry about any type of bugs or anything like that. Because yep. apparently that shit just is everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's just everywhere. So <laughs> the the Democrats right now are having a lot of their um, their subpoena. Interviews, if you will, within a skiff right. where only certain people are allowed in. Even a lot of the House members and Senate members are not allowed in there unless they're on that specific committee. Which again is drawing controversy, right? And so that can yeah. move us to our next point. There was a letter that was sent to uh, several members of the House and of the Senate, um, leaders of committees, right? It was sent to Nancy Pelosi. It was sent to, let's Probably see Chuck Schumer. Here. Nancy Pelosi, Elliot Engel, Adam Schiff, and Elijah Cummings, RIP, because he did pass away just a few days ago. Um, and it was regarding the alleged illegality of the way that they are going about this impeachment inquiry yes. right so <laughs> and it's just, it is a piece of work so it's an eight page letter you can read it certainly i don't think there's any harm in reading it but i don't know that it's totally necessary right no. because i don't think that it takes a legal mind just kind of a basic understanding or research into the way that the impeachment process has been carried out in the past to kind of see that this letter is bullshit Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a purely political document. Correct. So, which is not completely factually untrue, mind you, but overall in its entirety, it is nothing but a piece of essentially political propaganda in a way. The first allegation in this letter is, excuse me, is that this impeachment inquiry itself is unconstitutional because there has not been a vote taken out to begin an impeachment inquiry, right? Uh And from the research that I've done, from what I understand, right, there is no vote or no rule required to begin an impeachment inquiry, right? So that was a really weird way to say that. I, From what I understand, there is no vote needed to begin an impeachment inquiry, right? Nope. The House has sole 
ownership of how they run an impeachment. The Constitution, I'm trying to find the exact quote in the Constitution, but it just says, I think it's the... The sole power of impeachment lies with the House, right? Yes. So and, that, that, and that's it. That's it. That's really all that it says. They There's no it rules. Anyway. There's no rules laid out in the Constitution and how impeachment is done, right? There right. is most certainly a vote required to impeach the president, right? Yes. If they're going to move it on to the Senate for the trial to begin in the Senate, which is where it takes place, we may or may not have talked about this before. Impeachment is a complicated and long drawn out process, but the basics of what happens is there is a vote in the House to impeach the president. It takes a two thirds vote in the House of Representatives. It goes on to the Senate and there's a trial carried out in the Senate where members of the Supreme Court sit as justices. The lawyers or the senators are essentially lawyers in this trial. They argue back and forth to defend the president or they argue with the president's lawyers to defend the president and to accuse the president of his crimes, which is defined impeachable measures in the Constitution is defined as high crimes and misdemeanors. It was written three or four different ways before it was solidified in the Constitution and was decided this way to be decidedly vague, right? Mm-hmm. So that's argued all the time. It depends on whose lawyer you're listening to, which will tell you what that means, what fits under it. it so it doesn't matter, right? We've talked in the past that regardless of, you know, we talked last week or two weeks ago, regardless for me of the quid pro quo or anything like that, this conversation was wildly inappropriate. It, it to me, is unfitting of a president and i think that it's unworthy of him and he shouldn't be in the office right i don't know about impeachment because i don't know that it can be done right but i don't think he should be there so and i don't know if that to me means that he just shouldn't win the next election or he should be kicked out of office but he shouldn't be in office anymore right that with the emoluments with with this shit that's going on in turkey with the risks that he's putting us in geopolitically i don't think that he should be in office anymore right and to get back to the the way it was drawn up in the constitution um purposely vague i think this is a specific example to that where if you just have somebody that the people elected through the electoral college and he gets into office and he just starts doing everything that the the rest of the country doesn't want to the overall feeling in say the entirety of congress house yeah. and senate could shift against him and they could impeach him for anything they want at that point because they can decide that they don't like the way he's handling foreign policy they don't like the way he's going right. about trying to hunt corruption or something like that they say this is not the way we do things in this country and as long as there in there is that vast majority vote in and throughout the Congress, you can essentially kick him out for anything. Right. Which, when you hear people talk about, like Ben Shapiro said a lot, like, well, that's not impeachable. That's not impeachable. Anything's impeachable Anything. if you have the votes. Because it's a political process, not a legal process. That's why it's high crimes and misdemeanors, right? Yep. High crimes is not a legal term. Misdemeanors is, right? But high crimes is not. And that's why, like you said, it can be interpreted in many different ways. But the stakes are high enough with a two-thirds vote in the House and the Senate that it has to be something legitimate for it to be done, right? That's why the stakes are so high with that. Mm-hmm. So... What? How do we get to this exact <laughs> part about impeachment? Um, we're talking about uh, shifty shift first, and then yep, we're talking. Oh, this about letter, the, the right? Letter. So whether or not it's unconstitutional, this this is a bullshit argument, right? And mm-hmm. and like I said, it doesn't take a legal mind. It's just an understanding of impeachment, right? There's nothing that makes this process unconstitutional. If you are not a left leaning person or just don't really like 
this group of Democrats, you're not going to really like the way this process is going. Mm-hmm. Right? This, this at this point is a is a matter of interpretation because there's nothing illegal going on with this process. Right? Mm-hmm. There's maybe some shady shit, maybe a little bit of unfairness, but the House is run by Democrats right now, and they get to run this process because they're in control. Right? Yeah. That may be shitty, but that's how it is. If you're a Democrat in the Senate, it's really shitty because you guys can't get anything done. The the Republicans are running it, right? So Yeah, we essentially – our government does as little as possible right now just to keep the government running so that they can essentially play the impeachment politics game. Correct. And as far as people being interviewed behind closed doors, right, that again is just a, a choice of process, right? <clears throat> and in my personal opinion, it, it – so the, the two different schools of thought, right? From from the right-leaning side, it's bullshit because people should know what's going on. And everyone should be able to know and everyone in the House should know and everyone in the Senate should know so they can call witnesses, they can ask questions, they can make their own decisions, right? The left-leaning argument on this is that it, it should be kept secret so that you're – partially so you're not showing your hand but also so that the information is just being kept to people who need to know so it can be passed on so they can decide whether or not this is going to move on. Right. Because if it's not going to happen, if it's not serious, then people don't need to know more about it. Right. The information doesn't need to come out. That's a legal understanding that's been expressed before when talking about President Trump is why would you release information about him just to soil his image if you're not going to actually prosecute him? Right. That came out with the Mueller report was a huge argument that it shouldn't have been released because they're not going to actually try him for anything. You Mm -hmm. know, so it seems to me that the same argument would fit now. That why release this information that maybe is going to make him look bad, but you're not going to actually impeach him for it. Why waste anyone's time? Well, right? and I, I think constitutionally, like if you just assume that our elected representatives are there to do our due diligence and do the best they can for their constituents and stuff, if you don't believe that there is a a negative you know, political aspect to this and people are just going to play politics, it probably wouldn't be a a thing. But I think at this point in time, there's a lot of extra outrage about this because there's enough distrust sown throughout the government within the citizenry. They know that they can say that out loud, put it out there and say like, oh yeah. And then, you know, half the country is going to get highly offended that this is happening behind closed doors. Right. When there are perfectly legitimate reasons why there are, I can't help even, you know, just knowing as we do how a lot of, say, like the upper echelon leadership in the parties have been running things and how they kind of run politics in general. I have. I, I can't shake the feeling that, like, we may not be getting the whole side of the story here, but at the same time, I'm going to have to trust the process enough that, indeed, there, especially with the makeup of the political layout as it is now, there will have to be substantial evidence that will come out right. eventually if they decide to fully impeach, and then we will know about it. But. So, so I meant to make this point about Adam Schiff, but I think it's also fitting here, right? That when it comes to the allegations about Adam Schiff, that, you know, he's just pushing forward this, this whistleblower report to fit his own bias, right? And that the same thing is happening here with this impeachment inquiry. It's just about a bias. They hate Trump, right? <clears throat> I think that that's very possible because we know these people. We know these politicians. We know how they act. We know how they feel because they're very boisterous. They're very open about it, it's right? It's hard to say that but, impeachment has, hasn't been on the plate since day one. But we've seen enough i feel right we've seen enough things that have happened from this president that i think it's also fair to say 
that what's going on just may happen to line up with with their personal interest, right? Yeah. And that's the same argument that that the White House is making about this call to the Ukraine, right? So they're like, no, no, we're just investigating um, corruption, <clears throat> right? Corruption. It just happens to fit with our you know personal interest yeah. of things we want to see done, and that's why we're asking about it, right? And so know, and it. Could very well be. So I personally, right, and again, this is just a matter of interpretation on both accounts, on Adam Schiff and on why these uh, interviews are being done behind closed doors. I think it's a matter of interpretation. I personally am not willing to attribute malice to this just yeah. because I have seen enough that I don't feel like he should be in office anymore. So, Like if you I, asked me last month, I'd be <clears> like, <throat> yeah, this is all some bullshit. Right. Now I'm like, well, <laughs> so, I, this should be happening. So I, I can see why someone would feel that way. But yeah. I think that there's been enough evidence that has come out just in the open, let alone whatever has been said behind closed doors that's been leaked out. Because there seems to be a consistent message you know, of little things coming out that this shit is consistent. For mm-hmm. behavior for the president in the White House, right? And we will find out eventually. <clears throat> it will eventually come out. absolutely will, even if it gets leaked, right? Yeah. So it's just a matter of opinion of whether or not you guys as the audience, as Americans, as constituents, as voters, think that this impeachment inquiry is going forward just based on bias or if, unfortunately, the evidence being presented is leading – to a result that happens to fit the personal political opinion of these politicians, mm-hmm. right? That's up to you guys. I'm not going to blame you either way. I understand if, however you feel, right? So there I, is also – I will say if you have your made your mind totally made up on impeachment right now based off of all the facts that we have should read at the, at the moment, you should probably have more of a feeling like I want to wait for more to come out. Because that's where I think most people should be right now, just right. looking at the factual evidence that we have, because it could go both ways. And and I think that that's that's a really good point. I mean, it's right? starting and to look real bad, right? Right. But just because it starts to look that way doesn't right. mean that it's it's going to. Because, like I've said, I I don't I don't think you should be in office anymore. Whether or not I think you should be impeached, I don't know. Yeah, but I he certainly lost me foreign policy. I certainly think that the next time the election comes around, I think enough egregious things have happened, enough egregious behavior out of this White House, out of this president, out of this administration, that enough people should see this and see that this should not continue. Right. Mm-hmm. I also understand that depending on who is on the other side, that's going to be a really hard decision to fucking make. Right. I think that's the more important aspect but, right now. But if anything, that should just – it should fuel you to watch the Democrats more and try and do whatever you can to to try and get someone you actually like on that side or can tolerate into a good spot, right? Try and tolerate. find someone. Even if you're super fucking conservative, you hate everyone. I – if if nothing else, right, we'll take a, a tiny trip to emoluments, right? If nothing else – you have a president who is literally taking your tax dollars and putting them in his own pocket, right? Some way. It, he's definitely Maybe doing that's it a too reductionist way to look at it, but when you're talking about the amount of government money that has been spent at different Trump resorts, 
even if it is minute cents that are actually going into his pocket. They're companies that are owned by him that he's separated himself from, right? That he's like, I'm not, I'm not running them. Quote unquote. But Don Jr. is. And so is fucking Eric Trump, right? So let's not talk about Hunter Biden. You know, let's not talk about my kids when Hunter Biden's in the conversation, but my kids are going to my company. They're traveling the globe, right? Meeting with different dignitaries, meeting with different leaders of worlds and countries to, you know what I'm saying? I mean, to, fucking Jared so, Kushner, forging peace in the Middle East. So <laughs> if nothing else, right, I feel you should be upset about the waste of tax money and also the tax money that is being pocketed by the people who are at the head of this administration. That I feel should be enough for you to not want this man or at least, like I said, even if you don't not want him, right, even if you still like him for whatever reason. Because I'm not going to say the only reason at this point to like Trump is because you are a fucking hate filled whatever, right? I don't there's all kinds of different reasons you arrive at a thing like that. I'm not going to judge you either way. That's not my decision, right? But I think that it should be enough to fuel you to look at, try and find someone in the Democratic Party that you can tolerate and try and get them to the head of that party so that you at least have an option, right? You at least have something to think about when we get there. Because I swear to God, if the choice is between Trump and fucking Elizabeth Warren, I won't vote for president. I won't, I won't choose either of those two people because I'm not going to choose someone who's going to steal my tax money anymore. I'm not, and and there's, you know, anyone would argue, oh, well, anyone's going to steal your tax money, but I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying? Outwardly in my fucking face, steal my tax money. Yeah. We, we work within the system. We don't assume that all politicians are the the devil. So, so there we are. (laughs) Right. There is. Another section. Oh, this we is should say, say that. Yeah, the G seven. Yes, yes. So this, this is G seven, right? Yes, the fresh thing because I've discussed emoluments in the past. We've discussed emoluments in the past, but it was just announced, I believe, yesterday by Mitch, Mick Mulvaney that the next G seven is going to be held at a Trump resort <sighs> in Florida. Right, not a Mar a Lago, but it's at the Trump Towers. Is that what it is? Uh, I'm going to look it up. because oh, I can't remember so, exactly. No, that's fine. It's but it's at a it's at a Trump resort in Florida, right? And so we're now again we're talking about government money. I mean, probably this is an assumption. I don't I don't have the figure, right? I'm sure it will come out as it gets closer. But you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars is at Doral least resorts, hundreds Doral. of thousands of dollars at least, if not millions of dollars spent at this Trump resort to put this on, and I. I I don't know, man. E- even if he was to come out and say, we're going to do it f- totally free on me because I own the resort. I don't even know if that's legal, right? Ooh, because in Miami. Is that, I don't know. That's, I'm not going to make that I, assumption. But yeah. either way, I'm not, I wouldn't buy it's that that's the case hell. that he's not going to collect a single fucking dollar because even if it's not from the U.S. government, all of the other dignitaries that are going and staying there are going to spend foreign money there that goes into his pocket. That's an emoluments concern. That's exactly what that is. It's a gift from a foreign power. That's money into his pocket from a foreign power from seven different countries, the seven most powerful countries on the planet. They're spending money going into his pocket. Well, I mean, you can get a room there for $191 a night. Which Not if like I'm a- fucking Shinzo Abe. Oh, hell Shinzo no. Shinzo Abe ain't staying in a $200 room at the Trump Resort. <laughs> I'm surprised it's that cheap, to be honest. I've never looked at what a... No wonder it's going out of business, man. It's this giant-ass place, and it's $191 a night. Fuck, it's pretty cheap. It costs almost more than that just to go to a, a decent hotel in Seattle. Yeah, Seattle's expensive hotels. And this is... That's terrible. So, That's regardless... That's such a low bar. <clears throat> regardless of... 
not regardless, right? The legality question or the constitutionality question of the inquiry is out of the question now, right? We've established yeah. it's not unconstitutional. It's just whether or not you like how it's happening. But it's totally legal. It's totally legitimate. You just may not like it, right? Mm-hmm. There is a concern about whether or not the impeachment inquiry should even be happening, right? And I know and I want to make sure that we represent this opinion, right? There is a, a at least a section of the United States that feels – that the phone call that President Trump had with the leader of the Ukraine that we discussed last week that has led to this whole thing or started this whole thing, right, was was legitimate, right? Was was something that is not unreasonable, is something that he should be able to do, right? Yes. That they're not upset about. And at least one part of this opinion is because he has to turn to other countries and other people to help him investigate the people that need to be investigated because he can't trust the intelligence agencies, right? There are people that still believe, and I, I, I heard people say it, right, in interviews on, on these podcasts, right, that, that they don't think he can trust his intelligence agencies because of this deep state that is going on, right? Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, these same things that President Trump is mentioning all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this more when we talk about Turkey because he mentioned them in this press conference earlier oh, yeah. this week, right? But President Obama, Hillary Clinton, all these people that he's naming all of the time that they are being implicated in this plot, right? That that in in the plot in 2016 to try and stop President Trump from being elected, right? Yeah. And we have discussed this in the past, and I'll link back to uh, to the Peter Strzok discussion and to all these things so that you guys can go back and listen to it so we don't have to rehash it. The lovers. But, yeah, the lovers, right? <laughs> but that, to me, again, is – not again, but that is a skewed perception of what it, of what happened, right? Of what went on with with James Comey, with Peter yeah. Strzok, with uh, with with McCabe, Andy McCabe. Um, it's, it's a, a skewed it's a skewed perception of of what happened in the past, right? And we've discussed mm-hmm. those things. We discussed James Comey, we discussed Andrew McCabe, and we discussed Peter Strzok all at length um, in different episodes of this podcast, right? So I'll link back to all those things. Um, I will want to add because that is more that narrative exists. Yes. It certainly does. But I think there's a much more principled argument that you can essentially argue on that side as well that isn't so conspiratorial. And that is not only did, you know, is Trump looking for corruption? And that's usually their argument about that. Well, he's trying to root out corruption because there's obviously corruption, corruption going in the Ukraine. We, it was a problem back during the Obama era, all this good stuff, right? And so there is a possibility that he indeed could be correct about some corrupt things going on in the Ukraine. There might be possibilities there, right? It would not be correct, out of the question. But, correct, but there but, doesn't seem to be any legitimate evidence tying the Democratic no, Party to something in the Ukraine no, or that's President Obama or, or anything like no, that. No, right? and, and the points that he's pushing forward to that right. do not jive because that's all the conspiracy theories he's getting <laughs> fed from Giuliani. But, right. And when you're- it is not out of the question to to assume that a foreign leader. Oh, this is the real point I want to get. Like the reason that say he can argue that Hillary Clinton was using Ukraine to ask to investigate and all this good stuff, or even Donald Trump not being able to trust his own national security apparatuses and the intelligence agencies and stuff like that. The idea that a president would ask, say, a president of Ukraine 
to investigate the corruption that a might be going leader. on, right? Yeah. Because not only does that allow them to run a legit, a possibly legitimate investigation. I mean, the Democrats asked Ukraine to cooperate fully with the Mueller report, right? A foreign probe inside of the United States, if you will. Yes. I mean, well, the bounds of the investigation would have to be within their nation. Right. But, I mean, otherwise, our I mean, unle- real... Un- unless our- the president a- is asking them to do it. If the president is asking them, I need you because I can't trust my intelligence agencies to yes. carry out an investigation. In if that is the on. case. But I'm just saying, it's not out in of what's the realm going of possibility yeah. for other foreign leaders to reach out to allies and even, like, countries that want to build a relationship with America to ask them to kind of, hey, you... Ask them for favors or whatnot to so that you can get into the good graces of the nation of America and you're doing good things and there's nothing corrupt about it. In this case, there's probably a lot of corrupt shit going on, obviously, or at least at the very, very least, some very misinformed judgments. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities to assume that by Trump asking the Ukraine to investigate corruption in the 2016 election is not directly... It, it isn't necessarily a corrupt thing to ask because it could be a very legitimate ask. But in this particular it, case, right. I don't think that is the case. But, right. And that's just me. But I'm just saying you could have that you're opinion where you're just that, stepping right. back saying, no, this is legit. Right. Presidents, nations do that shit all the time. I mean, Turkey was looking into the assassination of Jamal Khashoggi. So you're saying, right, just to, just to boil it down, there is, there is a world where if Hillary Clinton and the Democrats did do something shady in Ukraine, which they did, then, then probably, asking, probably not illegal, but shady, then asking the leaders of Ukraine to investigate corruption in their country may happen to, you know, umbrella the shit that the Democrats did, in which case it wouldn't necessarily be corrupt because it would yeah. fall under this umbrella. It's that whole, if which Joe is, and Hunter Biden had some fuckery going on and he just asked them to look into corruption and they found that out, it would directly implicate a political opponent, but it might be legit. Which is the same thing we were talking about with Nancy be. Pelosi, with, with Adam Schiff, yeah. that it... Which it's very important to say. I don't think it is that particular way. No, because in this case, as we talked about last time, there is no evidence that anything illegal happened with the Democrats in Ukraine. That that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything illegal in the Ukraine. Um, There's there's no evidence to support any of that. It's just shit that's being made up out of the White House. Well, and some things all the time. But my point, my point about James Cody and Peter Strzok, James Comey and Peter Strzok and Andy McCabe, right, Mm -hmm. is that. People believe that that is evidence of a deep state, you know, the the behaviors that were carried out. And we know that that's not legitimate because if nothing else, right, there was an investigation done by the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, that Donald Trump selected when he came into office that found that there was no bias that interfered with the investigations that these men carried out. He called it. That they do, in fact, have bias in their hearts because that's just who they are as men. As far as their actual individual investigations, there was nothing that personally interfered because of their bias. And it was found that if anything, it negatively affected Hillary Clinton and not President Trump, right? Yeah, because they were so involved in the Trump project at the time that they they were also assigned to do the Hillary Clinton emails fiasco and all this stuff, which delayed everything because they thought the Trump thing was more important. And then they delayed it. And then Comey felt obligated to come out about it late in the game and did that whole fiasco, but probably 
had a more negative implication as far as the election went than otherwise. And he stated that in his report about it. And again, this investigation was done by Michael Horowitz, the inspector general that President Trump selected when he came into office. This is not done by a left-leaning biased man. This is not done by some Democrat out of the House or the Senate. The investigation was done by Donald Trump's inspector general. Who is a pretty staunch conservative. And he seems actually like a pretty legitimate guy, if you ask me. So, as far as the rest of this letter, um, the last point that I think that's in here is, and this is a letter that we were talking about that the White House Council has sent to, you know, to these leaders of the House and the Senate. The last point in here, I believe that's made is that the White House has not had access to this evidence, right? Which is part of the, you know, the, the interviews process. or the interviews being held uh, in secret, right? Oh, or yes. in the skiffs, right? Is that they haven't had access to the interview material. They haven't had access to the evidence. They haven't been Republicans. Republicans haven't been able to, you know, uh, they haven't had subpoena power to call their own witnesses, which is partially feeding into their argument about the vote, right? But mm-hmm. even if there was an informal vote, because a vote for the impeachment inquiry doesn't mean anything. If there was to be a vote for that, there's nothing that says that Nancy Pelosi has to allow Republicans to have subpoena power anyway nope. or call any witnesses or anything because she gets to run how this is done, right? That argument holds no water. So that's why it's she announced that it the they're starting the impeachment investigation. There was no vote on it. He makes a big deal right. in this letter about there not being a vote on it. But that's the thing. There's there, there isn't anything official going on right now. What is happening is an investigation done by the House, well, right. the Congress, and that right. is just what's happening. So, they can make their own rules about it. The Republicans on the committees that are doing the questioning are still there. Right. It's just not the other Republicans that aren't on those committees. And as far as seeing the evidence as part of, as part of discovery or being able to call witnesses mm-hmm. or being able to do any of this, these are things that would happen when the trial happens in the Senate, right? Yep. This is not even a legitimate argument. None of this shit is legitimate, not even legally, just based off of the basics of an impeachment, right? Yep. These things that they're requesting in this letter, like I said, as far as calling witnesses, seeing evidence – being able to have subpoena power, those are things that would happen in the Senate in the trial, right? Not in the impeachment. During an actual impeachment. During the impeachment trial, yeah. right? In the Senate. When there's an actual people, witnesses are being called. Subpoenas, other than just investigative subpoenas, mm-hmm. are being thrown around where there's evidence to be shared under discovery. Because this isn't a trial yet. Discovery does not cover something sure. that is not a trial. She's trying to figure out... If there is a way to impeach him right now, they're trying to see if there's evidence enough to impeach him. Newsflash for everybody involved here. If you don't think that the vast majority of Republicans in the Senate will vote to not, well, if there was an impeachment put forward as of right now with the, the limited knowledge that we have on about this, there's no possible way the Senate will vote to impeach. They will vote to acquit at this right. point and there will be no there 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 will be no there there and that's what nancy pelosi is trying to do right now she's trying to dig in find the facts that she can and if she ever has enough evidence to actually vote call for a vote of impeachment she will release all that evidence and then the senate will either have to especially due to the makeup now and everything so partisan it's going to have to be blatantly obvious for mitch mcconnell to get everybody else on board to actually vote to impeach him this is 
If you are worried about it and you're one of those Trump supporters that is just die hard, this is all bullshit, that you have nothing to worry about right now. The minute you have to worry is when they actually call a vote for impeachment because Nancy Pelosi will not call for a vote unless she knows she has no. enough evidence to convince Mitch McConnell to get on board. I'm not sure exactly what the amount of Republicans are that would be needed to flip in the House to make up two-thirds, right? Yeah. But – that's like you said, that's when you need to be concerned. When there's, a lot, when there's 80 some Republicans that flip over to vote in favor of impeachment, that's when you need to be concerned. That's you those, when you uh, should be scared because you need those in Turkey invasion numbers, you know, exactly right. That's what you need. I can't remember the exact numbers, but only 60. We'll talk more about this when we talk Turkey, but there was only 60 Republicans that didn't vote to condemn Trump's actions. Yeah. When hold on with Syria. We're doing it. Hello. Phone call. Hello. Up to the hey. mic. I'm at Grandma's fucking around with the Alexa. <laughs> oh. Well, you're on the podcast now, so. Is that Kathy? Hello? Hi. Hi, Kathy. Hi, how are you? I'm fantastic. Wonderful. Welcome um, to episode. Like welcome to episode 71. Yes, I listen to the pre show. Rock on, boys. Word. So Thank proud you. Of you guys. Thank you very much. Ask her what her thoughts are on impeachment. What are your thoughts on impeachment, Mom? Um, <laughs> not to put you on the spot. <laughs> I think that um, he has to go. Yeah. And really, I think the turning point for me was the whole thing with the Kurds and all of those people that are getting killed because of him. Yeah, bravo. No, I stand by that. And I think and, um, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way, yeah. Yeah, that's like the final straw. And then, oh, well, and then he's having the G2 summit or whatever in Mar-a-Lago. The G7. It's so, yeah, so we just talked about that. It's not in Mar-a-Lago, but it is at a Trump resort in Florida. It's at a different one in Miami. Um, I thought it was oh. Mar-a-Lago as well. And I believe I said that earlier, so oh, like somewhere on the internet. So I'll have to try and correct that. But it's probably because Mar-a-Lago isn't failing. It, uh, right. But it, <laughs> but it is at a Trump resort in Florida. That is correct. Jack Hill. You guys just recently talked about that, right? Just today, yeah. And I think I just posted the article yesterday or maybe even this morning. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Because, yeah, the money that he's raking in with all, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's disgusting and it shouldn't be allowed. Pre tax tax Pre paying dollars. Yeah. And can't, Camp David's just flipping empty. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Where they're supposed to go. Yeah. I dig that. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool, so you're calling on Grandma's Alexa with the screen? Yep. Oh, cool. Hi, Grandma. That's all right. <laughs> Hi, Grandma. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. He wants, he wants to know how Dax likes this bedroom. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. Uh, it's been, it'll be a week tomorrow that he's been in there. So, okay. it's doing good. And I, you guys will be proud to know that I hung up that Spider-Man picture that Aunt Joe made for me. That painting is up in his room. So, and he was looking up. He was looking at it today when I got home and woke him up from his nap. He was just standing in his bed and he was looking at it. So we stood there and talked about it for a minute. Loved that picture. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Is he sleeping a little better? Uh, yeah, he's doing good. He only wakes up maybe once a night, you know. But a lot of it's been dealing with gas, and so we're figuring out exactly the formula to get rid of the gas before he lays down, you know. Perfect. So, Perfect. It's almost there. Yeah. For those who don't know on the podcast, the baby's room is finished. He's been in there for a week. So, 
Yeah, I told you that. I said, welcome to episode 71. Oh, I didn't realize. Hello, everyone. <laughs> That's yep. beautiful. That really makes my day. Yep. My day. There you go. Oh. All right. Well, I will um, let you go back to your show. Thank you for asking my opinion. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a good weekend. I'll see you on Sunday for the pumpkin patch. Yep. Love you. Love you. Bye, Kathy. All right. Bye, Colin. Bye. Bye. That so worked there out you quite go. nicely. That's my mom. What a what an interesting opinion that she was able to just throw out like that. I, I, I like yes. that. Yes. So I believe that that's the last point in this letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see if I have anything else about uh, the text messages. Right, there were some text messages that that just kind of added to this narrative of impeachment that were shared. I have an article here, so I can find the names because there are some fucking mm-hmm. there are some fucking names. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So there were text messages shared between. Let's see I, these. I know Donald names. Sutherland. Sunland, yes. who is the U.S. ambassador to the EU. We have uh, Kurt Volker, who is the special envoy well, to Ukraine. And then I don't know the other two. So, no, that's it. So, those guys shared text messages back and forth, right? Where one of them, Kurt Volker, I believe, was talking about the quid pro quo. Do you happen to have those text messages? I think that this article might have. I had them last. You. I, I had them last yeah. episode, but I do not have them this episode because it's fucked up. It's old news now. Because now they're all be- – because Kurt Volker uh, testified last week. Don uh, Sunland is being – I think he testified uh, yesterday, which was behind these closed doors. So, we couldn't – we don't quite know what's going on here. But um, there was some – and then there was some texting back with the aide to President Zelensky who was involved in that situation and one other person who I can't put my finger on. Hey, I got this. Um Kurt Volker, can we do a three-way call tomorrow, say noon, Washington? Gordon Sunland, looks like POTUS call tomorrow. I spike directly. I spoke directly to Zelensky and gave him a full briefing. He's got it. That's why, yeah, that's the aid to uh, to the Ukraine president. Because right. Because English right. Is, is rough in the texting. Right. Gordon Sunland, sure. Cold Volker. Kurt Volker. Good. Had breakfast with Rudy this morning. Teeing up call with Yermak Monday. Must have helped. Most important is for Zelensky to say that he will help with investigation and address any specific personal issues if there are any. Yeah, so these are aides, various aides involved in Ukraine trying to essentially set up the presidential call between Zelensky and President Trump. And these are aides to Rudy Giuliani, right? Because Rudy yeah. Giuliani has been tooling all around the globe trying to work these deals with different leaders, especially in Ukraine, to try and get these investigations kicked up, right? Yeah. There's a lot of shit going on with Rudy Giuliani right now. He, God, he is at the center of this dumpster fire, which is, which is funny. You go from Michael Cohen to Giuliani and you Terrible, see what right? happens. Bill Taylor, right. Gordon, one thing Kurt Taylor. and I talked about yesterday was Sasha Danielook's point that President Zelensky is sensitive about Ukraine being taken seriously, not merely as an instrument in Washington domestic re-election politics. Gordon Sondland, absolutely, but we need to get the conversation started and the relationship built, irrespective of the pretext. I am worried about the alternative. Kurt Volker, orchestrated a great phone call with Rudy and Yermak. They're going to get together when Rudy goes to Madrid in a couple of weeks. Kurt Volker, in the meantime, Rudy is now advocating for a phone call. 
I have call in Fiona's replacement and will call Bolton if needed. But I can tell Bolton that you can tell Mick that Rudy agrees on a call if that helps. Gordon Sunland, I talked to Tim Morrison, Fiona's replacement. He's pushing, but feel free as well. Jesus Christ, when? Hey, right before all this happened, it was Tina was the, I believe, the ambassador to Ukraine and was abruptly fired and replaced. Right. And then this other guy was put in. And she actually testified earlier this week as well, I believe Monday. Yeah. But again, we only have the the leaky stuff, the vague well, stuff. But my computer froze. So, you know, we'll just go ahead and move on from the text messages. But either way, there was a quid pro quo that was discussed in some of these text messages back and mm-hmm. forth with Gordon Sunland and Kurt Volker. And there <laughs> This dog today, man, I'm gonna be done with her in a second. She just loves us, you know. I know. Um so it just adds to the to the tale of impeachment. You know, we can move on from there. We don't need to talk about this too much more. At I this will point, say, yes, really quick, just a couple yep. of major things that have come out recently. One is the, uh, as they're calling them, the, the the three amigos involved in this Ukraine project was our lovely Secretary of Energy, Rick Perry, who has yesterday weird, anna- right? uh, yeah, announced that, well, I mean, Ukraine has a lot of energy market. Yeah, And it makes sense that if we're going to do a deal and be friendly with Ukraine, Trump's going to want to make some deal with energy and probably export oil or natural gas or something. Which, but. Just remember that when uh, Rick Perry ran for president, <laughs> he wanted to get rid of the Department of Energy. And yeah, now he's and now the head, he's head of the Department of, of Energy. But he so, will be resigning. He told President it. Trump Thursday he plans on resigning. There's no specific date yet, but everyone's assuming the end of the year. So that happened. Um yeah, Mitch Mulvaney decided to come out yesterday and do a press conference about this whole thing and essentially muddied the waters even more than they already were, if it's even imaginable at this point. If you're lost by now, don't feel bad because everyone's lost, and this has been a slow trickle over the last two weeks. Um, but we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later because a lot of it – a lot of it um, – Kind of hit turkey stuff and, and then... This is not over. That's for sure. It's definitely not over and it's not going to be over. As of right now, because the press conference happened yesterday, I believe, um, there's still a lot of dissecting of what happened in the fallout from that. So we'll probably save that for later. But there are still a lot of ongoing things. It's appearing more and more as if the catalyst to this entire fiasco was former mayor of New York City... Rudolph Giuliani. Wait, I got it. I got it. Bill Taylor. As I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. There it is. Gordon Sondland. Bill, I believe you are incorrect about President Trump's intentions. The president has been crystal clear. No quid pro quos of any kind. The president is trying to evaluate whether Ukraine is truly going to adopt the transparency and reforms that President Zelensky promised during his campaign. I suggest we stop the back and forth by text. If you still have concerns, I recommend you give Lisa's excuse me, Lisa Kenna or Essa called to discuss them directly. Thanks. Right. And that's what uh, Mick Mulvaney muddied up real big time when he talked about the, uh, the delay in financial aid to Ukraine recently and tried to justify it. But then again, there's some legality issues there and it, it sounds like a lot of real shady shit go on. There was a lot of talk about quid pro quo and Mick Mulvaney, the interim chief of staff for the president (laughs) What number literally now? came out, I think that's three, right? He literally came out and said, 
that there was personal interest as far as investigations into the Bidens tied in with the defense money that went to the Ukraine. Literally came out and said that two days ago at a press conference. And and also added the the server, the Ukrainian server that supposedly holds the emails. And this whole thing is just – you almost feel like this at this point um, – just to throw my opinion on this whole thing, it, you almost feel like this is all – this all could have been prevented if Trump just got over the fact that he won the election over Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And just was like, well, hey, I'm the president. I'm moving on. But he's continued to have this vendetta against her and has tried to dig up all this stuff and, and tried to implement o- President Obama into this whole thing. And it's – if you would have just accepted your victory and fucking moved on, none of this would be happening right no. now. Am I am I wrong in assuming that? No, no, I think that you're totally correct because again, it's been it's 2019, right? So it's been three years since 2016 since these alleged events happened, right? Yeah. And you're still since, trying to like since I, I this has happened it. since 2016. In these three years, there has been not a shred of evidence that would indicate wrongdoing by Democrats in the Ukraine or by Hunter Biden in the Ukraine, by Joe Biden in the Ukraine. There's no fucking hidden servers, you know what I'm saying, on this shit. Barack Obama wasn't involved in trying to shut down the Trump campaign. There is no evidence of these things going on, right? There's evidence of some shady political stuff that did happen that is not illegal and that goes on during every election. Right. But that is not something that we should be focusing on here this it's it's stuff that you know mind you that's like a if you're going to have problems with that you just need to have problems with the way the government's run in general right but it's it's all going back to this this vitriol hate that he's sown against people that are against him and there's a legitimate question whether or not you think that the family of diplomats should be serving at any type of position in foreign countries, right? There's nothing wrong with thinking that Hunter Biden just shouldn't have been working in the Ukraine, right? That's a legitimate opinion to have. But if that's the case, then you should also be considering, like we said earlier, the fact that Donald Trump Jr. and that Eric Trump His are, whole family are traveling the globe. Except poor Tiffany. Is working with different dignitaries, different leaders of different countries in efforts to Benefit, Pro- yeah, to benefit and to progress the Trump brand while their father is in office as president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me, that's just as egregious, if not more egregious, than Hunter Biden getting paid in a position he shouldn't have because his last name is Biden, right? Yeah. I have a – In my personal opinion. And I have mixed feelings about this because just because your dad grows up to become president, does that mean that – your whole life has to be put on hold for four to eight years so that you can't pursue anything if you were a business person that has business in foreign countries. It's I don't I don't necessarily think so. I don't necessarily think so, but again, I can understand why you would think that. You know, mm-hmm. I can understand why someone would feel that way that like, what just if your like, whole family you shouldn't, you what, know. You know, what if you and all your brothers and sisters fucking hated your dad and all this stuff and like he's out running for president and he fucking screwed your family over a hundred times and was never at home and it was just a total deadbeat or whatever, but still technically your dad and all this stuff. So, now your whole oh life has to be put on hold because your fucking your shitbag politician of a father is president. Like I can understand the the unfair, almost like un unconstitutional standard. you know standard yeah. of like having to put your life on hold just because you happen to be related to somebody. Yeah. 
And I can see, I definitely would have a bigger problem with it domestically. You know, if you're doing something within the United States, that's, you live here, you know, you have to like do something, you know, but I can see how foreign influence in other countries might concern people. You know, I can, I can understand that. Yeah. Cause there's, there's good arguments on both sides. It's, it's kind of just where you land on it constitutionally, I think, which is always a tough one. So Turkey. Yeah, yeah, I think we can move on to the Kurds and Turkey now, right? So let's see what we have here on the 6th of October. Actually, like a fucking year ago, right? President Trump said that he was going to pull the Trumps out of Syria. And at that time, it was in December, actually. Um, and at that time, James Mattis said, fuck you. I'm out this bitch. I'm leaving. If that's what you're doing, I'm not going to take part in this anymore, right? So then president trump was like well hold on maybe we'll hang out for a little while longer you know we won't pull them all out immediately so there were some people left there i believe the number was dwindled down to 28 at least in this particular area that we're going to be discussing um and so on the 6th president trump announced that he was going to pull these last dudes right these last soldiers out of northern syria right on the turkish border is that what we're talking about yeah um was it the 6th or was it, it last was, Sunday? It was the, the 6th, 6th. I, that I have that he announced the withdrawal of troops. So it's been two um, weeks almost. Yes, since since he announced that we were going to withdraw, right? And at that time, he said that so, – okay, so for slight background, right? The United States has been involved in Syria fighting with the Kurds to get ISIS out of Syria, right? Mm-hmm. As of now – They've been successful in ridding Syria of the caliphate, right? There are yes. still ISIS fighters there. There were still prisons with ISIS fighters being controlled by the Kurds, being held down. We handled all that shit, right? Excuse me. So that's why the United States was there. That's who we were fighting with, right? In, in a, the, the Syrian coalition with the Kurdish fighters mm-hmm. to get, to get ISIS out of there, right? So now they're on the border and, we decided that we're going to leave the Turks and they're going to handle it themselves. And, you know, whatever happens, happens and everything's going to be okay. Because it's important right? to understand that the Kurds themselves um, do not – they are a stateless people. They don't have a home. And yeah. their traditional territory runs kind of between the borders of Turkey, Syria, and Iraq. Not even – so does Kurdistan not exist anymore or are they just they're, – they're, they're not a, related? No, they're not related. Which is very interesting. Because there is a... Kurdistan does exist. It does, but... Uh, but Kurdish- it doesn't have anything to do with Kurdish people. No, because the Kurdish people are sitting right there along the border between, like, Syria, Turkey, Iraq, probably a little bit of Iran, you know, this general vicinity in the area. But it is very important to understand they are stateless people who, much like... I don't want to make, like, a Jews reference here, but much like the Jewish people... Yeah, Tur- uh, yeah, I found it the other day, Kurdistan, but it's more of like a uh, Eastern European Baltic almost yeah. at that point. Oh, okay. Um, but you know the the, like the Jewish people, shit. in other words, you know they used to be a stateless people up until World War One and all this good stuff, right? And um, but much like that, the Kurds are a stateless people, and like the you know the Jews at one point who didn't have a state, most nations where they lived in. Did not like them. And it's the same now with the Kurds. The Syrians don't really dig the Kurds. You know, Neither the Turkeys fucking hate the Kurds. Right. And the so, Iraqis have problems with them. Right. Iranians have big problems with them. So the beef, the, not to, not to be too simplistic about it, but the general problem that the Turks have with 
the Kurds, right? Mm-hmm. Is that there are Kurdish forces inside of Turkey, the PKK, right? That's what's inside of Turkey yeah. that are classified in Turkey as a terrorist organization because they are actively fighting within Turkey. Yep. But the Kurdish fighters that exist in northern Syria are not necessarily the same thing as the PKK fighters that so, exist in Turkey. That's yeah, the YPC? Right? right. And so they're different coalitions. And I say not necessarily because I'm sure that there's a little bit of overflow. You know what I'm saying? That people, I'm not, I'm not throwing any accusations, but that shit happens all the time over there, right? And much like everyone else in the world, just because you're Turkish does not mean like all Turkish people are the same. It's just like with the Kurdish people. They're not all the same. There's good guys and bad guys. Right. You know, it's, it's a normal thing to happen here. And there's this division that we have because I believe the PKK is also classified as a terrorist organization in the United United States. States, Right. But that's just that particular group. Just the PKK, not the Kurds, because like you said, we're still fighting with the YPC in Syria. The Kurds more or less are a nationality without a nation, but the PKK is a, a coalition within that nationality right. made up of people of that nationality. And Turkey, the Turkish government, uh, what's the Presup Tayyip Erdogan yep. has Dictator chosen, has chosen to not differentiate between the PKK and the Kurdish people in northern Syria, the YPC nope. forces. They're all right? just Kurds to him. So they, they don't want Kurds anywhere near the Turkish border. They, I think, want a 20 mile buffer on either side of no Kurds inside of Turkey. And then the ultimate plan would be to take all these Syrian refugees that leaked into Turkey and re, I mean, repopulate this 20 mile area with these Syrian refugees, right? Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, Turkey decided they would take it upon themselves to invade Syria those 20 miles and just rid all these towns and cities and encampments. And Jesus Christ, that scared the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Oh, I'm my so God. Glad. No, that's okay. that's okay. I was just like so heavy into what I was talking. It just scared the shit out of me. Oh, welcome okay. home, love. Mwah. Fuck. So. Surprise. <laughs> what See, I knew that was going to happen. I was waiting for it. What minute. the fuck was I saying? <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. The problem with uh, Turk, uh, President Erdogan wanting right. his buffer okay. and he hates yes. the Kurds. So he's decided that they're going to invade Syria these 20 miles and just kill every Kurdish person in all these towns, all these encampments, all these anything. Anybody who's a Kurd, they're they're going to get rid of them, right? Yep. They're going to force them back into Syria or, you know, wherever the fuck they're going to go. He doesn't care. He just doesn't want them there anymore, right? So when this happened, when on the 6th, President Trump announced that he was going to withdraw these last soldiers from Syria, right? It was told to him by members of Congress, by senators, by his national security advisors, by countless people around the globe and domestically. One of his biggest political allies, Lindsey Graham, staunchly came out against his move here. That were he to immediately withdraw these soldiers, the Turkish forces would absolutely invade Syria and would absolutely... I mean, uh, you could almost classify it as an attempted genocide on the Kurds in this area. The right? word because genocide has been thrown the, around. And, I, and I'm not trying to be too extreme, right? But the intent is really to rid the, this area of Kurdish people. And right? given Erdogan's statements about the Kurds in the past, his overall feelings, you would not be out of line for saying he wants to commit a, a Kurdish genocide here. Right. So there is no question 
that the president knew that this that this is what would precipitate from this event, right? Mm-hmm. That subsequently the Turks would in fact invade Syria and would in fact destroy as many Kurdish people as they could when they got there, right? So it was on the ninth that oh, the Turks better. that the Turks actually invaded, mm-hmm. um, right? That they actually went into Syria and started to do battle with the Kur- the Kurds. They started to fly planes over and drop bombs, and they were just lobbing mortars, doing anything. Right? They're going in, um, and it's that same day that President Trump sends a letter to uh, to Mr. Erdogan. Do you want to read this letter? Oh, please. Because right. it is it is the ninth, right? That he yep, this. it is yeah. the ninth. So it's the same this. day that these atrocities begin in Syria. That this letter is sent from the president to Presip Tayyip Erdogan, the supreme leader of Turkey. Dear Mr. President, let's let's work out a good deal. Exclamation point. You don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people. And I don't want to be responsible for destroying the Turkish economy. And I will. I've already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Brunson. I I have worked hard to solve some of your problems. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal. General Moslem is willing to negotiate with you, and he is willing to make concessions that they will never have made in the past. I am confidentially confidentially enclosing a copy of his letter to me just received. History will... This is the best part. History will look upon you favorably if you get this done the right and humane way. You You will look upon... It will look upon your you forever oh yeah it will look upon you forever as the devil if you if good things don't happen it will look upon you forever as the devil if good things do happen grammar right there don't be a tough guy don't be a fool exclamation point i will call you later sincerely donald trump (laughs) I'll call you later. <laughs> I'll call you later. History like will look upon you favorably if you get this done the right and humane way. It will look upon you forever as the devil hey, come over if here, good Mo. things don't happen. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I'll call you later. Sincerely, Donald Trump. Sincerely. So that is some serious diplomatic language going on there. Word and up. I got to put this dog back because she is not being a good show dog today. <laughs> she is being super... All up in my grill right now. But she's a good girl. She so, is. So that happened the minute uh, the Kur- or the Turkish people started slaughtering Kurds, yeah. sometimes in the streets. There are some very unsettling videos out there that are very reminiscent of Nazis slaughtering Jews on the side of streets. Of uh, people being pulled out of their cars, of people being raped, murdered, shot, stoned to death. I mean, there is no shortage of, I used the word atrocities earlier on purpose, right? Because it that is, it is, an, it, it is, is human horrible. rights violations. I mean, these are, this is a disgusting, disgusting thing to have allowed to happen. And I think it's very important to state here that there were 28 soldiers that got pulled out of this place who were not, I repeat, not in immediate harm by them staying there. Their presence was what we call a deterrent in the geopolitical world. Their simple presence of having a few U.S. US troops on the Syrian-Turkish border prevented this genocide just by their mere presence of being there. Now, we don't know what happened in the phone call before this letter. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump got strong-armed into this thing. 
Erdogan saying, we're just going to fucking invade and you need to get your people out. But we won't, we don't know that. That's an assumption on my part. Yeah. Either way, um, this I was- can also see, I mean, not to interrupt you, but I can also see it going the opposite way that President Trump said, listen, I, I made this promise, you know, to the people as, as he's saying, as he's going around saying right now, right? Yep. That I made a promise. I said I was going to bring our guys home. And so that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Right. And just telling the Turkish, telling Mohammed, Mohammed Erdogan, Prince of Tayyip Erdogan, that's probably racist. Um, telling Erdogan, you know, listen, I'm going to pull my guys out and I'm just trusting you to just keep it cool. You know, don't do anything. And like, we'll call it good. And Erdogan being like, Oh yeah, no, well, I'll fucking keep it real cool over there. You know, so cool. So, you know, that's what a Islamic dictator would do. Because I can also see, um, I can very much see a world where president Trump is not taken seriously on a global scale, you know, and, other world leaders having phone conversations with him where they're just saying shit to him because they know that he's just a fucking big child, you know, mm-hmm. that he's just walking around making a bunch of noise. And if he says whatever, then he's going to be able to go in and kill these Kurds. And what's he going to do? Invade Syria again? No, because he's going to pull out these 20 guy, 28 guys anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, Mohammed, Jesus Christ. I, why the fuck do I, Mohammed bin so, Salman, right? Yeah. That's, that's why I keep doing that. Cause there's been so much of that talk. God damn it. Yes. Yeah, so. Erdogan, right? I need to just keep going with Erdogan. I need to leave his first name out of this. Um, That's a tough mouthful. I'm not so, lie. yeah. So, I can, like I said, I can see a world where, you know, Erdogan is on the phone and he's like, yeah, no, it's it's fine. Everything will be cool. You know, just pull your guys out and don't, don't worry about it, you know? Yep. And then immediately, and that's, I can, like I said, that's why Lindsey Graham is, you know, reacting this way that he's like, what the fuck do you mean that you just listen to Erdogan say what? Like, I don't like that's, that's, he's lying to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a reason so. I called Erdogan an, an Islamist dictator because he's a, I should say a Islamic extremist dictator because right. I mean, he recently within very recent memory seized power, be, made himself president for life while simultaneously locking up tens of thousands of people in his country that were all naysayers against him politically because they knew he was an extreme piece of shit. That did happen. And that did happen and and we're just we're just cool with it. And he's still yeah. a member of NATO. Yes, the Turkish are the Turkish uh the Turks are still members of NATO, which raises a whole new set of concerns that if they're to be attacked, it is technically NATO obligation to respond because it is a defensive organization. Mm-hmm. Um so there has been question about whether or not Turkey should be allowed to stay in NATO if they're going to continue this behavior. Um, I believe it was on the 13th that there was sanctions that were announced to go on to Turkey, right? The president said, as he said on Twitter, that if anything, what did he say? His great and powerful wisdom is that was some something to that effect about, you know, yeah. if anything, essentially, if he sees anything that he deems as shady go on on the Turkey-Syria border, then he's going to destroy the Turkish economy, like he said in this letter to Erdogan. Um, and so there's this whole slew of tariffs, you know, that's said to be announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a ceasefire announced today. But before we get to that, I want to talk about a press conference that happened yesterday <sighs> or on Wednesday. Sounds like there was a couple recently. It was really bad, um, but this one turned into essentially a press conference about Syria and then about the 2016 election. Um, and so this was the Italian president. Yes, I that believe, was right. visiting, and so there was a meeting, and then you know they're doing a Q and A afterwards. Um, and I, which I always feel bad for whoever's visiting because every press press conference Trump does, 
is going to have almost nothing to do with what the two of them were meeting to do. <laughs> right. Ever. Right. It's all just about controversies. Um. And so at this press conference on Wednesday, President Trump said that he was not surprised by the Turkey, by Turkey's actions, um, which again would say that he knew what the consequences of his actions were going to be, that the Turkish forces were going to invade Syria. Um, he said multiple times that the Kurds are no angels, you know, so we should consider that the Kurds are no angels. And, you know, it, it's, it's what is 7,000 miles, 2,000 miles away. Why do we need to be concerned about, you know, some land, a bunch of sand that they're going to be fighting over? Yeah, where, um, he literally said there's plenty of sand for those, for them to play with. He welcomed. And I should say this real quick. Yep. Um, when he says the Kurds, again, the Kurds are no angels. This is in my mind. And <laughs> Correct me if I'm not wrong here, because what we're talking about, when he says the Kurds, he's like saying, it's the equivalent of saying Americans. Or it's, the Jews. Or the Jews. Or black the gays. people. Yep. Like, there's, the Kurds are not one unified group. This is a, an ethnic, an ethnic people. Yeah. There's nothing to distinguish one from the other if you call them Kurds. They're just members of this ethnic group. And so, <sighs> God, I don't want to say this, but it's incredibly racist. It is racist. It's racist as fuck to assume that because there's some there's some bad people out there, there are some legitimate terrorists that happen to be Kurds. You know what's a really does not mean Kurds are all that way. You know what's a really good comparison? The Muslims are no angels. Exactly. It's the, yeah. We got we got to stop these Muslims certainly, from coming in here until we can figure he, out what the hell's going on. Certainly, you could say that the terrorist organization of the PKK—they're no angels, right? No. Just the same way that you could say that radical Islamist extremists—they're no angels. Mm -hmm. You know, Islamic people as a whole—I don't think that there's any reason to assume that Muslim people are like are not. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it's it's racist. It's you know yeah, it's hella racist. There's no other way. Um, and I think that's it's lost in the entire narrative here. And when, when people just say the Kurds, they refer to the Kurdish people in general. No, they're just referring to like, you know, there's our our Kurdish allies that have been helping us fight ISIS for fucking 18 years. Right. And then there's like people like the white, you know, uh, the PKK, PKK and the YPC. And like there's different coalitions within those things and different militant groups and all this stuff. It's. But to assume just the Kurds is really pissing me off. Yeah, it really does, and it's it, people use it all the time. And there's no there's no differential between the actual different groups of Kurds. Right. He also uh, continued to question why we're protecting Syria's land. You know, why is it our business to protect Syria's land? Um, even though our whole business of being there again was to defeat the caliphate and to try and destroy ISIS. Mm -hmm. um, and at this point, we were preventing a genocide. He said that he pulled out of Syria partially to fight the military industrial complex because there oh. were people who are interested in the forever wars. And so he's trying to end the forever wars. And that's why he pulled out of Syria in such a radical fashion because he wants to end the forever wars. Literally um, blamed. He, he said that Lindsey Graham, if it was up to him, we'd be in the Middle East forever. Forever, yeah. And it, I mean, he's openly talking shit about his biggest political ally. Um, he said, and it got it got more and more egregious as it went on, right? It, did. it got worse and worse. And so then he said that he was told upon taking office that we had no ammo. That the generals told him that we had no ammo, right? No ammo. The soldiers had no ammo. We didn't have any missiles. We didn't have any anything, right? 
So we talked about this when we were at our business meeting on Wednesday. Um, you know, the massive, massive weapons contracts that have, uh, you know, been signed with the Saudis. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is an immense amount of evidence to indicate in exactly the opposite that we had no ammo when President Trump came into office. Um, even if you just go to Sportsman's Warehouse and are able to purchase ammo, as I have done countless times. Um, there's boxes and boxes of 223 available right now. After that, uh, he said that ISIS prisoners were released intentionally by the Kurds uh, to cause chaos and to bring the U.S. back into Syria, right? So as we talked about earlier, there were prisons being run by the Kurds to hold ISIS fighters there that were captured during the fights that the Americans and the Kurds were doing against the ISIS fighters, right? Against the caliphate. Numbers being reported in the tens of thousands. Right. And there are reports that ISIS fighters and prisoners were released because bombs blew holes in prisons that allowed them to release, right? That Turkish bombs blew holes in the prisons. There is absolutely no evidence to indicate that the Kurds released these ISIS fighters intentionally so as to incite chaos in their own land, in their own chunk that they're trying to live and just sustain their life in so as to bring America back into the fight. Because again, there was 28 service members in this area, right? There wasn't a force of 5,000 soldiers there that were fighting everybody in sight because people had largely been withdrawn from Syria, right? At least by reports, because I'm sure there was more than 28 people actually there. But there are 28 reported registered servicemen that were there at the border. And so I'm just not sure how that argument can be made, right? And it can't be. This the only is, person to ever put that piece of data out there was the president. This himself. is absolutely the president trying to cover his tracks, right? Trying to backstep and make it look like he didn't make a mistake. Like he hasn't directly played into these people being murdered after helping us destroy the caliphate in the country of Syria. Right. And so, there, it's important to say there are rather isolationist people, some of which I know very closely, that are okay with this happening because it's just not our place to be. Yeah. And I can, I can understand that point of view in a, to a certain point, you know, and I understand in a perfect world, we wouldn't be there, period. Got it. But it's a little too late. We're there and now there's, there are consequences pretty severe by our lack of presence in the area. And we've talked about this before, right? The idea that I've heard expressed by several different people of three generations, right? Mm -hmm. That once there has been active military conflict in an area, it takes three generations of people running through that country before that animosity and that inherent hostility can be wiped away that they feel towards the American forces, right? Mm -hmm. And it takes that long for a presence to be there to be doing peacekeeping missions, to help him with water and schools and doing positive things in an area to win that culture back over and to win that people back over, right? Mm -hmm. It can take as few as 28, like I said, registered soldiers in an area to keep a peacekeeping force there to make sure that things are okay, right? Because the second you kill one American soldier as, say, if you are Turkey, there, there needs to be like one person there. Right. That you can potentially harm, which now brings the entire might of the U.S. military with it. Right. And so that's... It's called deterrence. I said it before. That's what that small presence does. But I think something he did bring up later in that press conference where he talked about Saudi Arabia paying him for our troops 
supporting them. Right. He started to essentially insinuate that part of the reason we don't occupy these places is we just don't do it for free. Yep. Because you have to pay your fair share. You need to pay us for the cost of having our troops deploy there. Saudi Arabia has done that. And he he made the point essentially that if we're going to be doing these peacekeeping missions in the Middle East, that these other countries need to pay us to have our presence there. Yeah. Essentially labeling the United States military's presence in the Middle East as a mercenary force in some capacity. Which it was disgusting. Which, mind you, that's that's why defense contractors exist, right? It is. That's why you can hire Blackwater if you are a government in the Middle East to have, be a keep, keep a peacekeeping force in your area to hold shit down, right? If that's what you're going to do. Yeah. But Blackwater doesn't have the same moral interest that the government of the United States does to make sure that people aren't being slaughtered. On the streets, mm-hmm. right? Blackwater has the interest to make sure that Blackwater employees are safe so that they don't have to pay out to their families when they die. <clears throat> There's a little bit of a difference in what you have going on there. Yeah. Um, There's definitely – Not to say that Blackwater life. employees are not patriots, right? Because the vast majority of them are ex-law enforcement, ex-military. That's like what those – a lot of those people do afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. But because a lo- that, And I think that speaks to the true – nature of the mission in the area you know uh, a lot of you heard a lot of soldiers being reported on that were part of this pullout in syria that were highly upset that this they're leaving you know these people that they've been working with and fighting with for a very long time and they're just like sorry dude i gotta go you know these a lot of these people that are that are out there are are re-ups in the military that believe in the it might be little it might be underreported who knows but the good that we are doing there for the people that are there right people that were terrorized by isis thugs before the military rolled in probably you know build a good relationship with these people over time and it's it's not it's not nothing to just pull out and be like all right we're out good luck godspeed yeah obviously i mean we've we've fucked over the kurdish people before our kurdish allies before Multiple times, yeah, you know, with uh, Saddam Hussein and in Afghanistan and like all these different different places, right? And right, and it's it's rough. I mean, they've had to turn to. Oh my God, I'm not going to remember Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, of Syria, now to essentially try to get support from Syria, right? Which right, it's. Scary enough as it is, because I don't think they like the Kurds much more than anybody else. Syria and in turn Russia, right? Because yeah. Syria is a is a Russian-backed regime. And during this press conference, President Trump also said that Russia should be involved because they're closer and they also hate ISIS, right? Mm-hmm. So this is more Russia's business than it is our business mm-hmm. because they're closer and they, they hate ISIS too. So we'll just let Russia get their hands in more countries around the world. And this right? speaks to the complexities of geopolitics and this Bismarckian alliance system that we have built up to protect, you know, foreign interests from other major powers. I mean, do you think Iran and Russia are pissed off the U.S. pulled out of Syria at all? Not at all. They're ecstatic about it because now their their power influence now (laughs) grows even farther. And now the balance of power in the Middle East is going to shift dramatically. Which, you know, this is the the worst case nightmare scenario, but if there was ever a situation where shit popped off between some of the major powers, Russia and the United States are not going to be allied. And that 
presence, that that growth and and power influence in the Middle East is some that's an additional. I don't want to say enemy, but it's a you know it's a adversary. It's right. an additional adversary now that we would have to worry about in in the long run, which is. And I hate to say it, but due to all these complex relationships and the balances of power and all this stuff that's been going on, it, it's it's actually given me a slightly different air of respect towards what people commonly refer to as a neocon these days. The the people like Lindsey Graham that are very involved with keeping troops in the Middle East. Yeah. Because, God damn it, if this doesn't dictate that it's a delicate situation over there. <laughs> right. I don't know what does. I it's mean, it, twenty-eight it's, is not very many. Like no. that's not very many dudes, you that's, know. And that says something about the power of America at the time, which I right. believe is much less now than it was before. Our 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 capacity to carry weight throughout the international world now is drastically undercut because now we're just going to allow other people to roll back in. It only took Sorry, twenty-eight Derek, people. It only took twenty-eight people. To stave off a Turkish invasion. And all we had to do was leave and boom, Turkey rolls in. Yeah. That's and essentially, if you really think about it, we're 20 miles of Syrian land, which is now Turkey is dictating what they're gonna do with that land by putting the Syrian refugees in there. They're just dictating what Syria, what the nation of Syria is well, gonna have its makeup like. Right. So check this, right? Well, not you, but everybody else, because Word. after this press conference, now it's just last night, Thursday evening, Friday morning, there's a ceasefire that's announced, right? Because Mike Pence and uh and Mike Pompeo oh, the mics, right? Whoa, the mics. Didn't even realize that. So yeah. the mics, uh the mics traveled to to Turkey to speak with <laughs> Prisip type Erdogan, Boom. I was that close. That was good. Um, and discuss the terms of a ceasefire with Turkey, right? The Kurds not involved. It's, that's important to mention. Yeah. Um, and so there was a five-day ceasefire that is organized 120 hours. And the Turks will stop their firing, and the Kurds have 120 hours to get out of this buffer zone and go to wherever they're going to go. But after the 120 hours, yeah. it will be against the rules of the ceasefire for them to be there. And if they're there, then they're violating it and they could die. It's like... Uh, the ceasefire they didn't sign because yes. they weren't invited. Exactly. Which has not held airtight. There's been some sporadic uh, fighting still, but... Oh, I'm fucking the, sure. Uh, <laughs> but the old adage of, uh, you know, you can't, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't go home. But you can't stay here either. Yeah. So just get the fuck out. And that's where it's at right now. That was the terms of the ceasefire. And this ceasefire has obviously effectively given Turkey exactly what it wanted. It's created this buffer zone that they asked for. And now they just don't have to waste any more munitions, right? Yep. They get to just wait. And then if there's anyone left, they get to do a quick sweep and wipe them out and then move on with the rest of their day. And a little bit of speculation. It wouldn't be, it would not surprise me if that was the terms of the phone call they had. It was like, hey, don't do it. I'm just saying, don't do it. But if you do do it, we're going to come and tell you not to. But uh, anyways, everybody gets what they want. You yeah. get what you want. You get your buffer zone. You get rid of your refugees. I get my troops out and keep campaign promise. The Kurds do whatever the Kurds do because there's no angels anyway. So, nope. you know, that's none of my business. Disgusting. <clears throat> and um, I believe that is the most recent... Um, that's about it. Yeah, news as far as Turkey. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what the numbers are on people who have died as far as 
this conflict currently. Do you know what the latest numbers are on that? I can try and find them real quick, obviously. I don't know the numbers, but I will say um, one person slaughtered in the capacity of um, more than 12 that I have seen personally from video is too many. This is not two militaries fighting each other. This is one military rolling in, people trying to defend themselves, and then people pulled out in the street and murdered. That's what is. That's what has happened over yeah. the past week. And there is no world in which that is okay, except for in Trump's world, because it doesn't affect us. The one point he's been harping on through all of this, uh, say, scrutiny lately, is that no American soldiers have been killed. No Americans, zero American soldiers have been killed here. Well, at least there's that. At least there's that. And in the isolationist policy, a lot of people are still okay with that. They're okay with, you know, this is kind of the uh, ripping the Band-Aid off. You know, you're going to bleed some more, but at least it's not us. Yeah. You know, and yeah, (laughs) I think uh, if we wanted a a light segue, that's why I think Tulsi Gabbard got the her her (laughs) face kicked in at the debates last week or Uh, this week. I guess you're getting this on Monday, so it is last week. Yeah. Because the debates were on, what, Tuesday, I wanted to say? Yeah, Tuesday. And it was a... Rough showing. Was was there anything else you had on Turkey? Uh, no, I think that's all that I had. I was just trying to find the number of people that have been killed, um, but that's I can try to find that later. Uh, not particularly important. Anybody being killed because of a that horrible, horrible decision by the leader of this country is inexcusable. Um, it's terrible that this is happening. According to the International Christ Group, 4,226 people, including 465 civilians, were killed in Turkey between 2015 and 2018. So that is not what we're talking about. Right. Right. (coughs) But if that doesn't help paint the picture, I don't know what does. Yeah. So, yeah. So what we can do now is we'll go ahead. The percentage of um, Turkish residents that are Kurdish is estimated to be 18%. Shit. Oh, that's rough. And that's yeah. based off of uh, World Factbook. Well, I have to go pee. Um, do you want to start on the debates or do you want to take a break and then come back and we'll... I'll go ahead and start on the debates. All right. All right. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to go pee. I'll be back. Uh, word. So last Tuesday, 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. I think it was 8 o'clock Eastern Time. The What round of the debates was this? Fourth? I want to say. Either way, um, it doesn't really matter. But the uh, next round of debates were held. There were 12 uh, contestants, almost, I would want to say. There were 12 uh, possible nominees for running for the Democratic nomination for president. Um, And it's most of the usual faces we've seen. Um, And uh, there was one new one. We had a return of Tulsi Gabbard this time. and there was another billionaire who's been making his way up, which I'm going to uh, pull up when Don comes back because I do not remember off the top of my head. Um, but the Democratic debates were hosted by a – it was a joint operation this time between CNN and the New York Times. Um, you could have watched it on either the CNN homepage. I believe they were streaming it live in the New York Times homepage or the New York Times app if you're one of those people like me that has that. It was also aired on normal – cable television um but the the big showing was obviously a uh, a potential throwdown between some of the 
the two major perceived front runners in the Democratic Party right now, which was Elizabeth Warren and former Vice President Joe Biden. And even though they did not get into it too much, um, there was a lot of focus directed towards uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren um, from Massachusetts. Um, everything from, uh, you know, topics covered healthcare. There, there was a quick touch on the uh, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Ukraine situation going on, which uh, Joe Biden kind of just deflected. Um, other than that, um, that's kind of like the base setup here. So other than that, the CNN hosts and the it was a mix of CNN and uh, New York Times hosts that asked the questions. Um, I'm pulling up right now who the heck that other guy was. Joe Delaney, blah, 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 Boom. blah. Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer. Stevie. The, the only go. billionaire on stage. Yes. So, okay. So let's just run through these fucking things that I have written here, right? That's usually how we do this. So, mm-hmm. let's see here. The first thing I've written down is about Biden, right? He was asked why it was okay that his son Hunter worked in the Ukraine, but not, um, but not if he was president, right? And, he, because he said that if he were to become president, then no one in his family, Joe Biden said that if he were to become president, no one in his family would take a position, a foreign position in another country for like, you know, a state company. Right. Um, and so Anderson Cooper asked him why it was okay that Hunter Biden worked for Burisma Holding when he was vice president, but it wouldn't be okay if he did it when he was president. And Joe Biden didn't really answer the question, um, but he said that nothing was wrong with what they did and that impeachment should be the focus of what's going on here because that's really the problem with, excuse me, the phone calls and yeah. everything that happened. Um, which he just kind of deflected. Yeah. And it was very tactful i think it would have been a good opportunity to kind of make his case but he just kind of chose not to and just moved on right because he he certainly could have defended himself because hunter biden did an interview earlier this week too i think with like good morning america or some shit and he got asked about you know whether or not he made a mistake or he would do it again and he said that he the mistake that he made was not considering how it might be perceived by everyone else in the world right Mm -hmm. and so i can understand I understand that totally. And I don't know why Joe Biden just didn't say that, right? And he's like, it, it, it wasn't necessarily a mistake at the time, but now knowing the way that it could be perceived, it's not something that I'm going to take part in in the future. You know, I don't know why that's not a legitimate answer to that question that there wasn't anything wrong at the time, but we didn't consider how to, how it might look. And so just to avoid even any look of impropriety, we're just not even going to take part in that, you mm-hmm. know, because that seemed like a totally legitimate answer. Plus he was making 50 G's a month. So he doesn't need to have a job for eight years. He'll be no. all right. You know, and, you know, and I hate to say it as, as kind of dirty as it is, I'd rather nepotism be a problem than to kind of restrict people's rights if their family members are running for president. But I understand, again, how shady it can be and how, how fucked up nepotism can be. If Chad's president, you want to be able to work for an oil company? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll dabble in natural gas, but... <laughs> But yeah, basically, I want to be able to do what I want to do regardless of what I'm doing at the time. Yeah. Just, you know, it just seems kind of a, uh, you know, we're Americans. We have the right to kind of do, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What if running our company that does a lot of business in China, you know, maybe I get a a lot more business with China. I get a lot of favorable business deals because my brother happens to be president. But like, what if that's just what I'm doing anyways? 
you know, if there's illegit stuff going on, not to bring it back to Trump and Ukraine, but if there's illegit stuff going on, an investigation could be had over my doings. And if I'm dirty, then I'm dirty. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean I am. And I just feel uncomfortable restricting somebody's rights if you're your family is president. And I don't and, I don't think that it's whataboutism to say that like I said earlier, if if this deal with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden is going to be a problem, then it should also be a problem that Donald Trump Jr. and that Eric Trump Jr. or that Eric Trump are traveling the globe and they're wheeling and dealing in favor of the Trump mm-hmm. business or the Trump organization. Yeah. The Trump fucking company, whatever, right? Whatever that's called. I think that that should also be in question. And I don't think that's what about us because that's happening right now, right? Mm-hmm. That it's, if that was a problem then, then it should be a problem now because nothing is any different, problem. you know? And so that's, you know, if, until that's the case, then I'm not willing to buy that. That, that particular argument is anything other than just some partisan bullshit, you know? Because like I said, unless you're seeing it both ways, then it's just, you just don't like Joe Biden and you want him to be done, you know? So I'm not going to, even play that game unless someone's about to buy it both ways. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of came down on the side of it. You had a stronger chance, Joe, if you were Joe Biden, you had a stronger chance to kind of make a good case for yourself. But I also don't, I don't know if it's going to be seen as a sign of weakness or something to just have, to have deflect the way he did. Yeah. I don't know the, I got some polls that I looked up earlier and the numbers are still kind of all over the place, you know. Most of the way, most of the time, it's Biden and Warren at the top by you know a few points either way. You know, there's a couple outlier polls, but the most recent poll that came out today was a political morning consult poll that has Biden at 31, Warren at 21. So I don't, I don't know if that really made a difference. I just can't so believe that really she's even him. a front runner. Um, so. Well, that's I mean, right. So we'll talk about Elizabeth Warren next because that's yeah. the next thing I've written down here. <clears throat> so she got asked again about raising taxes on the middle class for Medicare for all, right? And she got called out by Mayor Pete for this, for Klobuchar for this, by for the yes, it was a strict yeah. yes or no question. Absolutely, Are you going to do this. Yep. And so they asked, "Will you have to raise taxes on the middle class?" Because Elizabeth Warren has signed on to Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan, right? And Bernie Sanders, in the last debate, actually came out and said, he's like, no, no, straight up, let's be real, right? Taxes will go up to pay for this, but on average, you will be paying less in the tax increase than you are paying for your health care right now, right? Which, whether or not I think that's great, like I've said before, I at least appreciate that he's willing to be honest about it, right? That he's willing, he's honest, he's straight up that that's what's going to happen, right? Whether or not it's true is yet to be seen. I don't right. believe it. But he and he even said it during this debate. Yes, your taxes will go up a little bit. Right. But your overall cost will go down. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren her con- continues to say she will not sign on to a plan or will not implement a plan that raises taxes on the middle class. Right. But wouldn't wouldn't say what her new plan was when she got called out by Mayor Peter Amy Klobuchar. Wouldn't say that she wasn't going to sign on to Bernie Sanders' plan, or he didn't say that she had the name of a new plan or anything, right? Nope. So, as far as we know, she still signed on to Bernie Sanders' plan, which, as he admitted, because he wrote the damn bill, right? Yeah. It, it He's got to get that line in yeah. once during every yeah. debate. 
it will raise taxes on the middle class and on the upper class, obviously, and on anybody, right? Mm-hmm. But she she just won't buy into it, right? So this so something has to be a lie. Something is not true. Well, right? the way she phrases it every time, and she'll say it over and over and over again. She said, I believe, two or three times in a row this time that her her answer always is costs overall costs will go up for the very rich and right. you know big corporations but overall costs will go down for the middle class that's always the way she answers it it's a, to- it's a total canned answer that isn't blatantly lying to everybody but answers indirectly the question of whether or not you will raise taxes and it's one of those lawyer speaks well i didn't say i would but I also didn't say I wouldn't. Right. And we talked about that again when she was asked about the wealth tax, right? And she's asked about the wealth tax, and it's some X amount of trillions of dollars, you know, that she's going to get for it every year. Yeah. And when she does it, she says, do you know what you could pay for with that money? You could pay for this, 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 right? She And we paid very close attention this time because we talked about it during the last debate that I wonder if that's what she's doing, right? Because we knew the last time and the time before – that the amount of money that she's going to get from wealth tax is not enough money to pay for all these things that she's talking about every time she brings up the wealth tax, right? But so, so like I said, we paid special attention this time to exactly the verbiage that she used, right? And she does not explicitly say that she could pay or that America could could afford to pay for all of those things with the wealth tax, right? She forms the sentence in such a way that you could pay for any of these things with the wealth tax, but not. All of these things, right? We assume, we, we postulate that, postulate. that this is, <laughs> that this is lawyer speak so that if she were to be called on this at a future date, which I'm sure she will be, right? Then it will be so she can say, well, I never said that I would pay for all those things. You know, I can pay for any of those things. It's enough to pay for any of those things. But no, I wouldn't be able to pay for all of those things. It's not quite enough money. No, you know? no I just said one. You yep. could pay for that, 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 that. Which is. I never said and. Which is horseshit. I, you know, I never said or, but still. <sighs> the amount of lies coming out of her mouth that day. Was, was horrible. Just disgusting. It was just absolutely disgusting. Um, I was highly upset that she wasn't asked about the um, the lie that she, the most recent lie that she got caught in about being fired fired from uh, her teaching job when she was younger. Right, right. And I'm trying to see if there's a copy of that letter that letter that she actually received from her resignation, where they. Um, right, because her story was she was fired from her teaching job because she was pregnant. Uh, but, excuse me, the story has turned out that she was offered an extension at her job and resigned because she was pregnant and has now swatched, and has now swapped the story around so as to, I don't want to, like a, assume any intent right but it seems that it is to portray herself to be the victim in this situation thousand percent so as to add to her narrative you know Mm -hmm. um, which it seems to have done very well in certain demographics (laughs) demographics yeah it was denominations that's all i could think but that's not yeah mostly her her hardened supporters which there are a lot of them these days but 
you know, and that's, I was highly upset they didn't ask her about that. Um, yeah, I can't find the letter. I'll see if I can find it so we can post it later. But That's all right. After I might, that. I might um, postulate on uh, <laughs> my opinion of her during a blog post this week. After that, Joe Biden was asked if Bernie and Warren were being real about Medicare for all, right? Which nope. I don't think is necessarily a fair question because of the preceding question, right? Because at least Bernie is being honest about it and Elizabeth Warren is still lying about it. So I don't think that they should be included in the same camp no. because it's at this point, just like completely different discussions, you know? Um, and I don't remember what his answer was, you know, but well, basically he laid out his plan. He said it's expensive and is going to cost X amount of billions of dollars per year to do, but not, but, trillions he said, but of you dollars. guys are, you're trying to spend trillions and trillions of dollar here. And he's going, this is more than the, you know, the standard, Oh, what's his, I don't want to say GOP, but the, the amount of uh, money, GDP. GDP than the United States every year. He's like, how? Gross domestic product. There you go. He's like, this is not doable. What, right. what are you guys trying to do? And I understand why. And of course, you got Cory Booker over there going, hey, why are we fighting against each other? The whole time, right? The whole fucking time. He, he actually made a point at one point where he was like, hey, no, no, I want to, we need to talk about this. I want to talk about this some more. And then they just moved on because Cory Booker got like zero screen time during this debate. It was all mostly Warren, Biden, uh, a little bit of uh, good old Bernie Sanders, who I, I don't know if we talked about last episode, just recently had a heart attack. Right. Uh, fully right. admitted that he had a heart attack, and he's now he's back. He's back on the campaign trail, which probably not a smart move. Hella fucked up. I mean, there, you know, Ben Shapiro earlier threw out some stats about like people that have a heart attack over the age of like 50. And their chances of surviving for eight years after that is like super, super low. Yeah, like, yeah. Bernie ain't no spring chicken, man. He needs to be very, very careful about what he's doing. He's not in good shape. You know, he's he's kind of a decrepit older man. And it kind of legitimately worries me that like, you know, there are some times where he, I mean, he was in good fun. You know, he did say some, some kind of uh, self-implicating jokes. During the debate, talking about his heart attack and stuff. And when he get worked up, he's like, oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good, though. Don't worry about me. I'm not yeah. going to keel over right here, which I thought was pretty refreshing. Um, and healthcare came up as a massive topic. That was yes. a big one. But um, it's essentially, the story hasn't changed. Everybody still kind of holds their opinions. Right. There's... I don't know how split it is between the Medicare for all and the, you know, kind of Pete Buttigieg's got a lot of airtime for his Medicare for all who want it, a.k.a. a public option. Right. Which is more of what, you know, kind of the Obamacare classic. The Joe Biden. The Joe Biden method. Yeah. You know. So let me ask you about this, right? <coughs> um, because when Kamala Harris was asked about who? this. I forgot who she was. <laughs> um, Thank God. She started to talk about like women's health care and reproductive health care, mm -hmm. right? And I found myself frustrated about something, right? And frustrated about the fact that reproductive health care is being used synonymously with abortion, right? And I don't mm -hmm. agree with that. I because they're not interchangeable terms, right? No. Reproductive health care is a huge umbrella that encompasses a know, lot of contraception, things. I mean birth control, all any any number of things, you know, screenings, any any all kinds of shit, right? And not to mention all the stuff but, that 
is involved when you actually are having a baby. All those, I mean, there's a lot of doctor's appointments. I'm sure you remember right. very well. And I want to be clear, right? Because she said this specifically in talking about states that were banning women's reproductive health care, right? Which is not the case. And I'm not trying to be in defense of any of these states that are banning abortion, right? We talked about this when Haley was here a couple months ago. But I don't appreciate and I think that it's super disingenuous and wrong that she is saying that they're trying to ban women's reproductive health care because they're not banning people from getting birth control. They're not stopping people from getting condoms, screenings, any of that shit. They're stopping people from getting abortions, right? Again, not that I agree with it, but it's they're not banning women's reproductive health care. I don't think that's a fair characterization of what's going on. And I don't. Again, to be very clear, I am not in favor of these laws that are being passed, but I don't think that it's helpful to the cause to be lying about what's actually going on, right? It takes away from your legitimacy and your point to be lying or at least overblowing what's actually going on there, you know? If I had to guess, she is speaking about abortion, but the problem is – I have Certainly a feeling she was. that the term women's health, reproductive health care um, is one of those tested terms that uh, that tests much better than abortion. It and I just more don't fired up, and I it's a and I don't it's think a that's right. talking point. Right, I certainly understand why she's why she's doing it. I totally I get it, but I think that it's wrong. Is more what my point is, right? I totally get what she's doing. Yeah, but I think, I think that it's her. Think her, it's really fucked up. I think yeah. it's wrong. You know, yeah. I think and it I, speaks to her her uh, despair, and I know, think her it's desperate. Des- desperation. desperation. I yeah. think it's. A stronger point if she is to do what the argument used to be was that this is, you know, this is like the, uh, the fucking, the slippery slope to taking away women's rights, you know, like that's a stronger argument to this that they're banning abortion. This is the first step to, to not being able to get screenings for this, to not being able to have birth control. Like that's a, not that I even agree with that. But it's a stronger argument than that they're trying, that they've banned women's reproductive health care. You know, that's a better argument. That's a stronger argument that I think more people could get on board with. That if you caught me in the right mood, I might be able to get on board with. If you're talking about they're trying to chip away at these things, you know, mm-hmm. word, because they're stopping one thing, you know, and that's as we've seen with big government, you know, it's a, a slippery slope. You know what I'm saying? The, the stone keeps rolling. So, I just – I think it's a shitty argument. I think it's a shitty thing to do. I really don't like it. I don't appreciate that those two things are being used interchangeably, you know. Yeah. And I understand it though. I do understand I it because wrong. I think she's desperate and she's doing anything she can to get as much support as she can. And so you start using those blanket words. You know, Family Guy had that one episode. I don't know if you're – did you watch a lot of Family Guy? No, I don't really like Family Guy. Okay. Well, there was a – there's an episode where the wife of the family was running for like mayor. Lois. Lois. She I watched for mayor. enough Family Guy to. This like- was early on too. But she started to get up there on the podium and talk about actual like issues and this, that, and the other thing. And she was losing <laughs> yeah, the yeah. crowd. So yeah. then she was just like, you know, um, America. And the whole crowd would be like, yeah. Nine. 11. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's what Kamala Harris is doing right now. She's pandering yeah. so that she can try to gin up, gin up enough support to, to stay alive in this thing. Cause I think as far as actual candidates go, her days are pretty much numbered at this point. 
Yeah. The reason she's still relevant, I think, are purely intersectional. If you were to ask me. Hopefully she won't be relevant for very long because she's about as full of lies as Elizabeth Warren. It's fucking pretty bad. Uh, She was on full display at Elizabeth Warren this week. Uh, Yeah, because the next thing... uh, Andrew Yang. Out here. Yeah, so Andrew Yang and Elizabeth Warren started to get asked about jobs, right? Elizabeth Warren said the trade policy is why jobs are being lost and companies are selfish, right? And that's why these jobs are being lost. Not because any of these things that Andrew Yang is talking about, not because of any type of autom- automation, not because of any any of that shit, right? Bad trade it's deals. It's all just because of trade. And the right? lack of union power. Yep. And so her idea is for what she called accountable capitalism, where 40% of the board of these companies is elected by the employees. <laughs> Are you high? <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Do you have any, every employee wants more from the company? Yeah. They, yeah, that's just a stupid, stupid, stupid idea. And I don't remember what Andrew Yang saying, but I, I wrote that Andrew, Andrew Yang destroyed her. So he must have just tore her the fuck up. Um, Toe up from the flow up. Because he started to talk about the value of people, you know? And yeah. that's like where his whole freedom dividend thing is coming from, is the value the, of the work that people are doing. Talks about his wife a lot and taking care of their autistic child and her other child. And <laughs> so Elizabeth Warren's counter to the freedom dividend, right, is that she thinks it's a better idea that they're going to give $200 more every month to people who receive Social Security and Social Security disability, right? Yeah. And – that they're going to give a social security credit to people who stay home to take care of their kids or the elderly or things like that so they can retire with dignity. Yeah. That's what she said. So in other words, and, it's not going to help you until you're at least 65. And she looked at Andrew Yang and she said, so your wife knows that she has value. That's, that's we're going to give you a credit on your retirement, your social security check when you turn 65. And that's mm-hmm. how you'll know that your work here has value yep. is when you're 65 and it pays off. She is so back ass words, man. That's a better way to 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 prove to someone that their work has value than them to be paid every month. Yeah. Right. If you make it to sixty five, if social security still exists, then we'll give you an extra two hundred dollars a month. Yep. Which by the time you and I turn sixty five, two hundred dollars a month may not very mere be very much. <laughs> it's not very much right now. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to be, you know, if that's going to count all the way towards, or uh, like for inflation, you know? Oh, definitely not. I mean, Kamala Harris has a similar thing. She's talking about an extra two, $300 a month in lower taxes so that, you know, the, the, the struggling single parent can, when she, when they sit down to have their cup of tea or cup of coffee at the end of the night and go over the checkbook once the kids are asleep, that they'll be able to pay their bills. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she started off pretty strong with these personal stories and now they're, they just seem so divorced from anything else. She's, she's washed up. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, let's see. Healthcare was a big one. Foreign policy got touched on pretty well. Um, that was Tulsi Gabbard's bailiwick, which I I think it was interesting. What was what you, it? Was her what? It was her bailiwick. That's like her her specialization. That's in her her realm of knowledge and experience. I have never once heard that term before. You've never heard in the bailiwick? I have never, not even one time. I think it's a older person term. In their bailiwick. I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> yeah. Bailiwick. Noun. 
Let's see here. Let's pull up the old dictionary.com. Uh, the district within which a bailey or bailiff has jurisdiction, a person's area of skilled knowledge, authority, or work. Like a wheelhouse. Yeah, it's in your wheelhouse. There you go. I have never heard that term before. You should use it. Bailiwick. You'll sound, you'll sound more studious. Oh, I'm going to use it now. I'm going <laughs> to fucking, I'm going to throw that shit around like it's cool. I think that's a baby boomer term that I adopted. Bailiwick. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask my grandma if she's ever heard that term before. <laughs> I'm sure she's heard it. Oh, <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. She, uh, Tulsi Gabbard was asked directly about the situation in Turkey and Syria. Yes, which she touched on, and her terrible answer essentially just focused on the idea of stopping these quote forever wars, which is something that she has run on and it has made her rather popular because that is a very uh, populist position an isolationist style policy for sure yeah i mean there's a lot of uh trump supporters that you could pick up using that type of language you know it's it's a very popular thing to do but almost immediately upon answering her question uh, a pretty vague question at that or answer at that um she was immediately stepped on by pete Buttigieg, who is the because tulsi is a veteran who has served multiple tours in the Middle East, and so has Pete Buttigieg. Nobody else is a veteran uh, of foreign wars, I guess, on the on the stage at that time. And Pete Buttigieg just right, just Pete and Tulsi. Yeah, and she and he just devastated her by focusing on the the loss of allies and you know this kind of stuff. That's that you know the true humanitarian crisis that's going down on the border right now. Right. And really just drove it home and she more or less had nothing to say about it. And I'm so I'm you know being a dad um missed obviously parts of the debate uh doing other things and that was I only caught part of that foreign policy section and so when we were talking about it the parts that i was watching it felt like she was throwing around allegations you know and so that was the part that i caught most of right before pete Mm -hmm. stepped in and fucked on her because yeah when i was watching she was you know she's like well what do you think about this and well why would you say this and i was like oh oh damn oh shit like she was throwing some fucking haymakers yeah she's trying to get the other people to kind of confess why we're justify our existence in the middle east you know what i mean and it's not the right time to kind of stick with that because it's very obvious why we have a presence in the Middle East now. It's, you know, there's still a lot of people that don't care, like I said earlier, but the overwhelming majority of people in government are like, well, no, we these people have fought with us for 18 years and we just left them to the wind, left them for dead. Peace it seems un-American, guy. yeah, to, you know, to be doing some shit like mm-hmm. that. And it's definitely fucked up, that's for sure. Yeah. Um. And that's that's pretty much the only real airtime Tulsi got. I think she's probably dead after this. Yeah. I really don't think she's going to survive much longer in this situation. Same with Tom Steyer kind of came off as, you know, it's kind of hard to say like moderate, but when the two moderates are a billionaire, Tom Steyer and Joe Biden, the line has shifted. You know, I actually think that Pete Buttigieg is pretty moderate, you know? I think that he's definitely a little more progressive than Joe Biden is, but I think that Pete Buttigieg is is pretty moderate. In, we'll just yeah, I would say that in the lineup of the twelve candidates who are on stage, 
Pete Buttigieg comes off as somewhat of a moderate amongst those groups. Yeah. I'm, I will not ever say that he was, he's a moderate in, <laughs> on the, in, in the grand scale. You know, and I don't. He signed I, on to all the inter, intersectional bullshit, whether right, or not he believes right. it or not, or if he's just doing it to to get you know the the voting base. I, I don't know. He's smart enough. So policy wise, mm-hmm. right, I think that he's pretty moderate because you're correct. Socially, no, he's very progressive, and that's why he signed on to shit like that. But um, I think that. Most of the time, policy-wise, as far as like healthcare, right? Because he's on the Medicare for all who want it, which is definitely, a, a, again, in the world of Democrats, a more moderate plan than than just straight Medicare for all. Yeah, um, he's not- in the social progressive, you know, maelstrom that is the the current candidates. He does come off in some policy positions as a moderate within that group. Yeah. I'm not going to go any farther than that. <laughs> not at all. You know, the minute he does Ben Shapiro's Sunday special, just like Andrew Yang does, I'll be on it. God, he really should, right? No, I want to see him on Joe Rogan. That'd be a better one. Ooh, Joe Rogan, has has Joe Rogan would be sick. Yeah, he has a tendency to just let people kind of do what they need to do, and then they relax. Yeah. You know, the, the fucking Bernie Sanders episode was so good after, like, the first half hour. Yeah. And I think it was only on for, like, an hour 15 or something. But, like, after that first, like, half was over, like, oh, this is this is who he is as a dude. <clears throat> what a nice guy. You know, he seems pretty cool. He believes in what he, he stands for. Right. I don't know if Pete Buttigieg believes in what his policy things are at this point. You know? You know, in some things. But then again, we're all running for president. At Which, least, uh, at least they weren't talking about you know prisoners getting gender reassignment surgery on the tax dollar, right? Because <laughs> that's some, that's some shit. I will um, say, Beto actually had a an interesting line. <laughs> Fucking Yang got in there too. It was great. Um, he was asked about the opioid epidemic, essentially, yes. and he, uh, I guess, Beto has come out uh, for decriminalizing opioids. Yeah. So this includes things like heroin and shit like that, right? And uh, when he was asked about that, he says, yeah, no, I am. And he started to kind of give this the same reasons why we think most, at least I personally would think that like most drugs should just be decriminalized. It's it's a it's a health problem, not – it shouldn't be a legal issue. You shouldn't be thrown in jail because you're a heroin addict. You know right. I mean? But uh, fucking Andrew Yang, as soon as he started talking, he was like, preach, Beto. <laughs> yeah, <What>? yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, man. <clears throat> oh, um at least we know le- cannabis will be legalized if Andrew Yang becomes president. Yes. And we get an extra $1,000 a month. After this, I have written that Booker said that raising a minimum wage is what was going to bring GM back um, and bring all those jobs back. And That's right, because they're still striking and, as of today. Yes. Um, and that raising the minimum wage would serve better than a UBI, than a universal basic income. You're high as fuck. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure exactly how raising the minimum wage would not also cause inflation or things. And I'm sure the same argument could be made for the universal basic income, but um, mm. it doesn't – it's not a change in value of work. It's like a redistribution of mm-hmm. of wealth, for lack of a better term, you know, because that sounds like a very socialistic term. But um, for lack of a better term, it's a redistribution of wealth, not an increase or – decrease essentially in the value of a dollar Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so and i'll just say as far as like the minimum wage in general goes um 
I used to be kind of a believer in that. And in as, raising it? Well, just in having it, period. Oh. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I feel like nowadays having a federally mandated minimum wage is is somewhat of a wage control on, you know, in the commercial you know, in the, um, the, you know, the employment industries, even though, even though the federal minimum wage is like super low, <laughs> it's super trash. I understand that. Right. But giving the amount of money people are talking about trying to raise the minimum wage to, I mean, it's getting pretty up there and it, it's, it feels weird to have an overarching, you know, essentially think of it as a giant corporation that's, that pays all their employees this amount of money thrown into the market now all private businesses have to compete with that set wage whether or not your employees actually generate that revenue for you yeah at which as i've come to discover as a business owner in some capacity like there's a lot of nuances to how that works you know and there's there's things that like i would love to pay my employees 50 dollars an hour uh, you know, a couple of them are very worth it. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, if I did that, my company would go out of business. Mm-hmm. Not to mention I, the prices I would have to set for work to be done in the industry as it is, which I'm already competing against the federal, u- the, the federal wage and then, you know, the union wage and all this stuff. You know, it's already hard enough to stay in business as it is, you know, and I understand very much the complex nature of having a a never dying corporation to compete against. Yeah. It is very, very difficult. <clears throat> you know, think about the amount of employment that is generated within this county alone by the federal government between the two Navy bases, um, all the other federal stuff that goes along with that. I mean, there's so many, there's so much federal money being spread around all private businesses have to compete with that. And there is absolutely no way we can because the government has infinite pockets. So they're artificially manipulating the workforce, you know, labor rate. And it, I mean, it was bad enough when we have to compete with unions that also have to compete with the state and they have collective bargaining. It's a very complex situation, but right. it's, I am very much in favor of the federal government just getting the fuck out of it altogether. And, and personally, I think everybody state. would be better off because then we wouldn't have to compete with that undying monster. We could just compete amongst ourselves. You know, I know if if I didn't if I paid my guys total trash compared to the other companies I compete with, they'd go over there because we're all fighting for people because the skilled labor job. Once you have people that do this skilled labor, they can demand a lot of money, and so we pay them what they're worth to keep them from going to another company where they'll make more. Yeah. It's a delicate situation. And Cory Booker <sighs> harping on this general notion that we got to raise the minimum wage doesn't make sense to me anymore. No. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. Unless you want to hurt the overall economy by making sure private businesses have a harder time competing. Um, continuing on with the discussion <laughs> about employment, Beto said that illegal immigrants should be able to join the unions. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly in the context of, say, the auto workers because of their employment in, say, like Mexico and, you know, a lot of companies building, 
you know, manufacturing facilities across the borders. Yeah. And to give people more power, um, like to give the people in the union more power, mm-hmm. um, to, I mean, it, it certainly would because it would be growing the strength of the union because there's more people in it. Yeah. Um, but I don't. And they're now an international union. I don't really understand. Um, I mean, I guess I do come from Beto O'Rourke, but I don't understand the legitimacy of, of, of legitimizing illegal immigrants who, whatever, you know, however fucked up it sounds like legally aren't supposed to be here anyway, mm-hmm. you know, like rewarding these extra things. That's like, well, you're not supposed to be here, but if you are here, you can be in a union. If you can get a social security card and get a job, you can get health care because we'll give you that if you want to come here, you know, and you can also get all these government services because we want to provide that to you also. But don't worry about trying to become a citizen. Just kick it because it's not a crime anymore. Yeah. We're just, you know, you're mixing two worlds you. right there and i at don't that point, you know what i mean you know and i and i don't understand well it's better what's even the point of that you know i don't then at that point what's the what's the point of a border you know what's the point of even citizenship at all if you can grant if you're granted the same benefits if you come here you i think know, if, when you're if 35 you Beto that same question about well what's the point of a border at all he'd be like no and i'm saying yeah. Like, well, th- no, that's not the question here. That was rhetorical, dude. Yeah. But yeah, it it only makes sense coming from somebody like Beto, who I, you know, due to where he's come up in El Paso and all the, you know, the social cred that he's gotten from all the tragedy that's happened there and all the, you know, the border things that have happened there. And, you know, he's kind of like that for whatever reason, he has a lot of street cred in the progressive realms when it comes to immigration policy. And I think that ties to a lot of things that he, he thinks. So it makes sense coming from Beto, but in a real, you know, in a reality, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. You should be confused about that because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, can you imagine if a, let's say the car manufacturers union, it's just I don't know what there are, but like you just work for any of these things, and now they the same workers in Mexico that work at a Ford facility or whatever are in the same union. That doesn't necessarily mean like they'll match your wages to them down there. It probably means that like well we're going to lower your wages and raise theirs a little bit, but yours are going to go down. It's going right. to balance. And it's, I don't think it would work out well if that was an actual policy that got put forth. <clears throat> uh, after that, they started talking about taxes, and that's when Elizabeth Warren talked about her wealth tax, you know, and went on about all the things that she could pay for. Uh, Amy Klobuchar said that she would repeal the corporate tax breaks that came out of the Trump tax code. Um, and then Kamala Harris said that she was going to do a $6,000 tax break for those who make less than $100,000. And then you can take home as much as $500 a month. That's what of this $600 tax break or $6,000 tax break. I think I said. 200 earlier but yeah that 500 yeah. that's yeah so you can right. take home 500 a month yeah um out of it you know or just get it all yeah if the, which is whatever. another you know rebuff against the andrew yang's freedom dividend right they're right it's it's weird how the tactic they're using to delegitimize him because he's i think because he's an outsider i mean i don't know that for sure obviously but just, i mean it, the whole thing was a total shit show man Yes, it was was mostly full of lies. Um, Most of the time, it was full of lies. I was not a huge fan of that. It felt like Uh, the worst one so far. Yes. Yeah. Which, 
I don't know. I think that people are feeling legitimized. People who I don't think should be are feeling legitimized, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I can't wait. The next one, hopefully, we don't have 12 people up there. Yeah. Because this is getting bad. Um, after that, there was a little talk about guns, you know, and uh, good old oh. Beto got asked about, you know, what the implementation was going to be of this assault weapons ban, you mm-hmm. know, because he's like, hell yeah, we're going to take your ARs and your AKs. Um, and so then... He also said that, you know, the police aren't going to go door to door and take people's shit, but they're not allowed to keep it, but they're, you know, not allowed to. Yeah. This was the old, I'm going to pass the law, then everybody's going to obey the law. And That's so, the way this is going to work. So he said that he expects that the AR and AK owners would turn over what they had. And then if, however, you know, <laughs> they get seen, then they would be taken. Yeah, um, because then they know that you have them, and they continue. He continued to be asked, you know, but how? You don't even know how many are out there. So how are you going to mitigate that this is happening? And you know, it's just like, well, people will just turn them in. You know? Yeah, like they'll just they'll, they'll just, just bring it, them man. in. And I know certainly there are a certain number of people who own those weapons that would turn them in because there are people who I've heard on different podcasts. They're like, I don't need it. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. It's just something I have. If that's what it's going to be, then I'll turn it in. And those people, that's fine. That that's their opinion. There's nothing wrong with that that that's their personal feeling about it you know it's something they purchased themselves and they can do what they want with it and if they're willing to give it up then that's fine i have an anecdotal story about this but i'm not you know what i'm saying so what's your so i have a a friend of mine that uh has an ar-15 had an ar-15 and i believe an sks and essentially gave them to his father to say like hey i don't want these anymore i don't believe that people should have these anymore blah 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 and then as the Trump presidency has progressed, he's like, hey, you remember how I said, like, we're going to destroy those? <laughs> Let's not do that. Because now I'm legitimately afraid that we might have to rebel against this guy when he decides <laughs> not to, you know, when the Democrats win and he decides to not bow out. I think I might need those. That's really You know, funny. to be ready for the revolution. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I just think it's interesting because I've seen this guy kind of, slowly essentially what i would call contact or i don't remember the word where you get a virus or something like that but he has uh, developed contract a um a trump derangement syndrome and it has gotten worse and worse and worse every day and it's funny how his views on guns have changed now that the oppressive government that he wishes to fend off if need be is the trump presidency whereas yeah. when it first started i don't i don't need this i don't want this gun control is good we don't need these assault rifles and i was like well actually i might be becoming a fan of the second amendment real soon because we might actually have a repressive you know government we have to rebel against like, <laughs> yeah all right whatever man i get it people change their minds I thought that was a very interesting story to, uh, you know, a conversation I had this week. So let's see. We're sitting at like, you know, we're at like two and a half. So do you want to head into sports now? Is that, that good with you? Yeah. Um, so let's see. Sports. Sports. Um, so let me pull up my, uh, your, yeah, your, my your, notes here. Your notes there. Um, and then we will do our picks for, uh, you know, this next coming week. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll move on. So let's see here. We didn't tell the people how I whooped your ass in fantasy that That week. did happen. Um, I will, I'll go and I'll go back and I'll pull up the score real quick. I don't think it was a whooping. I think happen. I barely just won. It was close um, and I didn't love it, but, you know. That's all right. Jordan beat me out last week. Yeah. That was a rough one, man. I had a, my roster had was full of zeros by the end of the week because you got me some by people 10 got points. hit. 
And I got lucky, if I remember right. Ten points. It was because you had Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones had 107 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that's why. Um, had And he scored 49.2 points. So had he yeah. scored any type of normal amount of points, oh, I would have beat your ass. <laughs> but I'm feeling interesting. I've, made, I've had to make a lot of trades because of people getting hurt and whatnot this week. Yeah. I actually put a guy on IR for the first time. Got to do season, it. You know, got to do it sometimes. I think it was uh, Terrell Williams from Oklahoma. You know, who hasn't been great, but... Oakland. <laughs> what did I say? Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. No, I forgot. That's where uh, Elizabeth Warren is from. <laughs> and she's all Navajo Indian or something. Yeah. <laughs> she's all Navajo Indian or something. I don't remember. <laughs> the problem is... is Whatever tribe she was claiming, uh, you know, nationality, residence with, uh, was total bullshit. But yeah, my roster was rough this week, man. I just picked up, uh, a rando. Um, actually, I made that trade with Isaiah for Mike Williams, yep. who, you know, I thought about it. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, because I haven't followed Crowders too much, you know. Um, because it was Jay Crowder, if I remember right, Jamison Crowder, yeah, yeah, and I haven't followed him really too much, other than the points that he's been putting up. I'm like, dude, this guy's been giving me dog shit. I'm getting rid of him, definitely. Yeah. So don't blame Isaiah for that trade. That was my fault for not really, hey, you know, digging what? into it. You guys do whatever you're gonna do. You but know? I got a, I got a good feeling about Mike Williams. You know, I'm you running so? in one of my flex spots. Um, Dig it. You know, fucking. Uh, Royce Friedman put up 16.7 points the other day. He so did good. Yeah. I'm, I'm playing him in strong. one of my other leagues. He did really good last night. You know, and when I put uh, Terrell Williams on a IR at a free spot, so just kind of for shits and giggles, I picked up uh, Rex Burkhead. Yeah. Just to kind of see, you know, he's real, you know, it's a real kind of mystery what he's going to do. Sometimes he does great, but he's always questionable. But I figured, hey, I'll just pick him up and see if I can play with him for a little while and see what happens. But, yeah, I don't. I'm not playing him this week, so we'll have to see what happens. But fuck Rex Burkhead because I have Sony Michelle in one of my other leagues, and Rex Burkhead just fucks me over all the time. Anyway. <laughs> you know, you know what it is. All right, so let's hit some fucking news. The Patriots kicker Steven Gostkowski was placed on IR. He fucked up his leg. The Raiders linebacker Vontez Burford was suspended for the rest of the season for a nasty-ass hit on tight end Jack Doyle, and he appealed and then was subsequently denied. This guy has been fined like tens of thousands of dollars for fucking cheap hits on people, and for some reason there still is people who defend him that he's like not a dirty player, but he... Dude, fuck Vontez Perfect. Um, Sam Darnold had mono, but he's back now. Seahawks tight end Will Disley suffered a torn Achilles. The Titans... Titans benched Marcus Mariota. They're going to play Ryan Tannehill instead. Uh, the Eagles released linebacker Zach Brown. The Ravens traded linebacker Kenny Young to the Rams for Marcus Peters. And then the Jags traded their corner Jalen Ramsey to the Rams for two first-round picks, a 2020 and a 2021, and then a 21 fourth-round pick. And then the Raiders left tackle Trent Brown is being accused of domestic violence by his girlfriend. She supposedly beat the shit out of her. Oh, uh, so hopefully he did not do that. Um, and now we can look at the schedule and we can make our. Picks. Let me ask you this question. Yes. Sir. Um, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they had their quarterback get knocked knocked out during the game. Patty Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. And this new guy, 
Matt Moore apparently did pretty fucking well. He did okay. Yeah. Do we think that's going to carry? Oh, I think Matt Moore sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds because, like he just had a fluke of uh, it. 10 months ago, he was like being a quarterback scout for the Dolphins. So, I, yeah, no, Matt Moore's terrible. Um, the Chiefs just have really good weapons on that offense. Yeah. So I, I don't think that that's going to last long. Patty Mahomes is out for like three games. So we'll see. What did he hurt? His, his knee. He dislocated his kneecap. Ah! Yeah. They popped it back in a place on the field. It was nasty. <laughs> yeah, it was fucked up. It was fucked up. Man. Did, um, somebody, did he take a bad hit or it was it more of like a he His move? ankle was fucked up already and then he did a quarterback sneak and he just got smashed uh, by a mangled. bunch of dudes. Yeah. And yeah sometimes that pile gets a little up. hairy, man. Exactly. He got fucked up. Okay. Um, so let's see. He did kind of seem like a smug asshole after the game. <laughs> you know, I watched really a little funny. clip. I like how on the fantasy app, is the ESPN fantasy app. Yeah. Um, they show a lot of, they put a lot of clips retaining to certain players and stuff. And I yeah. watched his shit last night and I was like, this dude kind of seems full of himself. Is this? It this- sounds like he just stepped in. <laughs> you know? Is this the same notebook that you have the rest of our guesses in for the schedule? Uh, si, senor. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure they're all in one place because we can do week seven and then week eight. Well, they're definitely not be... all, but well, that's fine. the last well, couple are in here. Yeah. Uh, so week seven, the first one was Chiefs at Broncos, and the Chiefs won 30, 30 to six. Uh, and the next one is Raiders Packers. This is for week seven, by the way. Raiders at Packers. I'm going to take the Packers at that one. <sighs> yeah. Go, Pat, go. Uh, Especially against that, the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, Terrell Williams is down, bro. Mm-hmm. They ain't going to win with my guy out. <laughs> After that is uh, Rams at Falcons. The Falcons. I'm going to go with the Falcons on that one. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Hot Atlanta all the way. Um, after that is 49ers at Redskins. I think the 49ers are going to win that one. The 49ers are undefeated right now still. That means I got to switch Garoppolo. I'm debating whether to play him, and I'm looking at who, the, but they're playing New Orleans, right? They're playing Washington. Redskins. Washington, yeah, they're playing the Redskins. Oh, and then uh, Jags are playing Cincinnati. That's I was like, yes. yeah, they're gonna fuck on Cincinnati. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. Well, you said uh, you're gonna go with Niners. Niners. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel obligated now to not go with the Niners. <laughs> so you're gonna go Washington? Yeah, I'm gonna go Washington, but I am probably gonna switch Garoppolo go to starting. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. I Over don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think that you. Sh- I don't think you could go bad either way between Gardner Minshew or Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, Gardner Minshew is that his name? Minshew. Minshew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after that is Texans at Colts. I think the Texans are gonna win that one. Houston looks good. All right, I'm going to go Colts. After that, Vikings at Lions. I think the Lions win that fucking game. Damn, I'm going Vikes. After that, Jaguars at Bengals. I think the Jaguars can win that game. The Bengals are terrible. Yeah, I'm going Jags. And then it's Cardinals-Giants. Fuck, man, I'm going to keep him. I'm going to keep him starting. Fuck Garoppolo go this week. I'm going <laughs> to gamble. I'm going to gamble. I got a nice little point. I got a nice little point lead right right now yeah. from that Thursday game. So, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, I think I'm gonna go Cardinals. Cardinals <laughs> at Giants. Cardinals. Oh, that's gonna be a terrible game. Yeah, that's who that's... wants to watch Manning Eli 
No, he's not even. It's not even what? him anymore. It's Daniel Jones. It's this rookie they drafted this year. Yeah, Daniel Jones. He's All the right. quarterback there now. Cardinals. <laughs> After that is Dolphins at Bills. The Bills are definitely winning that one. The Dolphins are fucking terrible. Yeah, we'll go Bills. And then after that is Chargers at Titans. I think the Chargers win that one. Yep, Chargers. And then Ravens at Seahawks. Seahawks. I think the Seahawks win that one. Yeah. I think they can do it. Fucking Yeah, definitely. After that is Saints at Bears in Chicago. Saints. I'm going to go with the Bears on that one. The Bears. And then after that, Eagles at Cowboys. I think the Cowboys win. It's yep. a Sunday night game. Lone Star Warriors, baby. And then Monday night is Patriots at Jets, and the Patriots are going to win that one. That's <laughs> that's not even fair, man. Patriots are dumb good. Shit, if Rex Burkhart's going to make that game, I'm going to play his ass. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> then we can do our, our week eight ones now, and then I gotta. Well, I'll, I'll, I think I hopefully have a line, or else we'll shoot out of line. <laughs> um, so the first one is Redskins at Vikings. Uh, I'll go Washington. Vikings, Minnesota. Minnesota. They say um, pop in Minnesota. <laughs> After that is Seahawks at Falcons. I think the Seahawks take that one. The Falcons' yep. defense is terrible. Yeah, and I feel like a traitor if I don't pick the Seahawks. After that is Chargers at Bears. Chargers. I think the Chargers win that one, yep. And after that is Giants at Lions. I think the Lions win that one. Yeah. After that is Jets at Jaguars. Jags. I think the Jets win that one. Jets suck. They Jets do. G T S Jets. After that is Bengals at Rams. The Rams, I think, win that one. A hundred times over, probably. Yep. After that, Buccaneers at Titans. I think the Titans win that one. Yeah. After that, Eagles at Bills. Shit. I think the Eagles probably win that game. Every time during fucking well, pickums, I got to stand up. <laughs> It's like uh, it happens every time now. That's really funny. What are you thinking? I think the Bills, actually. Yeah, I think Bills, too. After that is Broncos at Colts. Colts. I'll go Broncos. Fucking Joe Facco's so bad, dude. He's so terrible. He is bad. After that is Cardinals at Saints. I think the Saints win that one against Cardinals. Yep, Saints. And then after that is Panthers at Niners. Panthers for me. Niners for you? Yeah, I'll go Niners. Um, let's see here. I got a week. Eight. I got to get the extended schedule here. This oh, regular bro. one stops. Yeah, you're just trying to make me piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> After that is Raiders at Texans. I think the Texans win that one. Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. Browns at Patriots. The Patriots Pats. absolutely beat the Browns. Chiefs at Packers. Go pack up. Fuck, that's going to be a good game. You going Chiefs? <sighs> yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll pack. go Chiefs. Yeah. And then after that is Dolphins at Steelers. The Steelers definitely win that one, especially coming off by. Okay. Yeah, I'm going on Steelers too. Let's see, hopefully I have a lineup here that we haven't used yet. <laughs> um, I do know what a gluten is. It's a category to describe things that are bad. Calories, that's a gluten. Fat, that's a gluten. I don't think I've used that one before. <laughs> I know, no, you definitely haven't. <laughs> oh. All right. Guess the theme and you get a t-shirt, bitches. Peace out. Peace.